0: Hello retro movie lovers, this is your old pal the goat, hitting you here with an editor's note here. We got another cut from the crypt this week. Uh, I thought it was about time to uh, bring this one on out. It's been sitting dormant for about seven years, Uh, not been available for quite a while now, so I figured, hell, why not just drag it on out and release it to you guys. This is uh, back from... We had a little experimental podcast back in the day. Even way before the movie Graveyard was around. And it was called Movie Wars. And this is where me and one of my buddies... Usually Trev, actually. We would uh, sit down, watch a movie. Uh, do a full-length commentary. Just like we do on the movie Graveyard, I suspect. Uh, but instead, the kind of twist of this show is... We would pick movies where one of us liked it... one of us didn't. Now, we previously drug out from the Crypt the first episode of this old podcast uh that's when we covered spider-man sam Raimi's spider-man and then the second episode of this podcast was uh the amazing spider-man which was the reboot series of you know the spider-man saga now here we are i think about eight years after this film came out uh you know we've been rebooted again and we had several more entries so you know, kind of interesting that Spider-Man's had three reiterations in, like, the last 20 years. But, hey, why not? I'm a big Spider-Man freak. Um Really not so much now, but when I was a kid, man, Spider-Man was my guy. You know what I mean? Uh Spider-Man underwear, Spider-Man belt buckle, Spider-Man big wheel, Spider-Man shirt, Spider-Man she's... Everything Spider-Man, I had it, so, you know, and it's going to be my birthday in a couple of days. So, you know, to celebrate, I figure sit back, take it easy, and, you know... Drag this out from the, uh, you know, really it. not just unearth a movie, but actually unearth the recording as we always dig up shit here in the movie graveyard. So I hope you guys enjoyed this and hey, I thought maybe this would be a nice change of pace. This movie's not too old. It would definitely be the newest movie we've ever, you know, put out here uh, on the movie graveyard, but it's kind of a cheat because, you know, it's a rerun type thing. Uh, but you know, hey, well not? Fuck it. And like I said, this movie is already dead and buried because they pretend like it never happened and then they got a nice little uh, British boy to come in and take the place. Oh, I guess another British boy because this one had a British boy too, but they even got a tinier British boy now. Good old Tom Holland. That's right, Tom Holland. Gee whiz bang willigers. Tom Holland. So anyway, I'm going to throw this on here for you guys. I hope you like it. Uh, I hope everybody's doing okay. Everybody's staying strong. Everybody's staying safe during these weird-ass apocalyptic times. Um i don't have anything you know uh inspirational to say i wish i did but i just wanted to say uh it's a lot of fun doing this podcast and it's a lot of fun uh seeing these numbers and seeing you guys download it and you know hey we all love movies party on garth
1: Alright everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Movie Wars, uh, a new podcast, a collaboration between Hillbilly DVD Reviews and If It Bleeds We Can Kill It. Uh, I'm joined again by Goat. Want to say hi, Goat?
0: Hey everybody, this is Goat from the Hillbilly DVD Reviews YouTube channel and podcast. Good to be back with you guys.
1: And showing my unprofessionalism right off the bat, I forgot to introduce myself, but I'm Trev from If It Bleeds We Can Kill It. And uh, last time we did Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, just a quick reminder again, the the whole point of Movie Wars is to do uh, audio commentaries on films that we disagree on, and we disagreed on Raimi's Spider-Man for sure, and in that first episode, I don't know, I felt a little off my game, Uh, you know, I hadn't watched the movie in a long time, I hadn't done any preparation, you came prepared like a champ goat.
0: Well, I, so, did, I, I did my best, but but let's let's be real. Let's not try to BS the people here. Not only <laughs> was that the first episode of Movie Wars, but that was the first time you and I even talked to each other, let alone did a podcast. So we're that's true. We're still in the infancy. And then, to, you know, you think, okay, now we got one on our belt. You know, we're going to do. We're going to be complete pros on this one. But we're going to throw, you know, another new element into the mix.
1: That's right, because since I was a little off my game last time, this time I decided to bring a little backup, so I brought my podcast partner, uh, Bird. Bird is here. Yeah, I'm here. In the house. Now, goat. We were a little concerned about having two against one, but you said you showed you're a man. And you said just bring it.
0: Huh? Yeah, you guys were like, oh, I don't know, it'd be fair. You might need to find a buddy, come get your back. I said, nah, guys, I don't need to do that because you know I'm always outnumbered, never outgunned. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, that sounds well, this... like a good tagline. Yeah. For... That will will be our fourth podcast that we're going to start here in another two weeks, because we're just rapidly blowing them out, Adam Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, so as I said, last time was Raimi's Spider-Man, and this time uh, we're keeping it in the same franchise, sort of, kind of. But we're going with the reboot, Mark Webb, Amazing Um, Spider-Man. What year was that?
0: We're jumping 10 years in time, the original Spider-Man from San Raimi, 2002. This is 10 years later, 2012, Mark Webb did his version. Mm Mm-hmm. And and let let it be known where the battle lines are drawn. I'm on the side of this time liking Spider-Man, and the If It Bleeds boys, they don't like Spider-Man.
1: Well, hey, hey. we like Spider-Man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Misquote.
0: The (laughs) amazing Spider-Man, the Mark (laughs) Webb film from 2012.
1: Okay. All right, so uh, we're just going to jump right into it again, I believe. And uh, just like last time, um, like I said, this is a commentary. You don't have to watch the movie. We'll try to explain what's going on. But to make it a little more fun, you know, if you want to sync up with us and watch the film as we watch it, it's like you're in the room with the the goat, bird, and Trev. You know? Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be in a room with us? All right. The know.
0: the sync instructions are exactly the same as last time. If you heard "Movie Wars Part Part One" on the Spider-Man movies, they showed the Columbia logo, and then it fades the black, and then it goes to the Marvel logo. We have it paused on that black screen in between the logos. This is going to be whether you're on the dvd or blu-ray or streaming it from pakistan or wherever you're getting it from this is going to be at the 21 second mark of the film so i want to say one two three go and on go you're going to hit play on your dvd play remote or on your laptop wherever you're watching it so you boys ready yes sir I'm, all right i'm ready one two three go all, all right. right we are rolling this is like a well-oiled machine, man. I have to say this is the only part of the show that I, that goes directly as planned. It's
1: <laughs> starting up the DVD. Yeah. We got that sinking shit down pat, man. Yeah.
0: So the Marvel logo came on, and then here comes some bad CGI spider webs. I have to admit, when I watched this again first time the other night, I thought we were going to be a repeat of that Raimi opening with the bad CGI cartoon. But they jump out of it real quick and jump right into the movie right away.
1: Yeah, man, old, uh, the, you know, long credits, that's a thing of the past at this point.
2: That's true.
0: Right off the bat, we're dro- dropping, I don't even know what you'd call it, I'm so stupid, I guess this would be the prologue? prologue. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we see
1: young uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne? Oh. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of a batman movie now, let's face it. So okay. I'm just-
0: but they don't live in a mansion, they live in some brownstone apartment. Yeah. In New York City. And, and, and like, let's see if we can see it real quick here, boys. But uh, this kid here playing the young Peter Parker, and I thought this was a really gooberish move in case, like, the camera would have picked it up. But he's actually wearing a pair of bright red uh, Spider-Man shoes with Spider-Man's face on the tongue <laughs> and stuff. I saw that on behind the scenes. I was like, what were these idiots thinking?
2: <laughs> uh, I never... I didn't know that. That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. Well, like, um, I watched this. uh, I saw. I've only seen this movie twice, believe it or not. I saw it in three D in the theaters, and then I got the three D blu ray. And uh, that's how I watched it, and I actually did fire it up in 3D just because uh, I got a new 3D TV a few months ago. And this is actually the first movie on my TV I watched, you know, full length, the whole movie in 3D. And I have to say, I'll give them credit, man. Like, this is pretty good for a 3D movie. They actually shot it with 3D cameras, you know, not doing that little post-conversion cheap trick garbage. So, yeah, man, I'll give them props on the 3D.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, when when we saw this in theaters, I, rem- I we saw it in 3D, and I remember thinking uh the 3d was was really good also yeah my problems aren't with the 3d so just to
0: explain if you're not following the dvd basically starts off the young boy he's playing a game playing hide and go seek with his dad and then somehow while they're playing a game of hide and go seek somebody jumped through a window (laughs) ravaged his dad's uh office here and they're just now discovering all this you know top secret scientific papers Have been unraveled and whatnot so so they realize that hey man we're in danger his dad starts you know trying to race all the dad off the blackboard and grabbing the secret files and they're running out in the middle of the night all in a
2: hurry now this is kind of an odd prologue i think because a lot of the the stuff with his dad and all that ended up being cut out
1: yeah this is this is all referencing stuff that they decided at a late point was not appropriate for the film so they kind of jettisoned it and get the prologue stays in and, and
0: talk and talk about top secret whatever is I actually went through on the disc On the bonus disc, they had a whole, in this set that I had of this, they had a whole just extra uh, disc of just bonus features. And they had the deleted scenes. And they were bullshit deleted scenes, man. And, and like, I thought, okay, I'll get the the behind-the-scenes story. They they did uh, show the ultimate fate of that Indian dude who works at uh, Oscorp. But they they didn't show, like, no more of the parents, nothing. So, like, I was like, because that was a big outrage, because they were hyping up the untold story. You're going to find out what happened with his dad and stuff. And in the final film, it's just little hints that maybe his dad did yeah. something to him, but they never really go into it. And, and, and like, the the Indian dude, sorry, I can't remember his character's name. Like, I watched his movie twice, and I can't remember his character's name. That's how worthless of a character he is. But he basically shows up, and uh, he whispers something to him about about what his dad did to him. But, like, that's the only detail you ever get. So, I don't right, know what? if, yeah, I don't know if Sony just, like, even on the deleted scenes, or like, don't show certain things that we shot or what, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm so, sure
1: we'll we'll talk more about all those elements as this movie goes on. I've got a lot to say about that. I'm sure Bird does too.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: I mean, Bird, I, you got I like an.
2: That, extra- I I was just gonna say I think that they they probably leave a lot of that stuff out because they don't want people to know how much got cut. Because Spider-Man Three was a similar case where there was a ton of stuff that didn't make it, and none of it's on the DVD.
0: Okay, so they're definitely planning. Maybe maybe they're thinking that you know if people see this, they'll they'll put that whatever storyline the continuity and like though because like one thing about this spider-man franchise is they shoot a lot of stuff and then they don't put it in the movie and then like they they don't want you to know about it i guess because they want to like for the sequel they want to carry on for example in part two that's shooting right now or was shooting they did a mary jane scene then they cut it out because they want to save mary jane for later sequel like so i think that's what they're doing with the dad storyline here they cut it out but then they want to re-bring it back in and it's
2: future sequel or some shit all right, now, now right off the bat, I'm, <laughs> I'm having problems with this film. Uh, can we talk about the introduction of Peter Parker in this movie?
0: Yeah, like, like after it flips to the, the little boy scene, it just immediately does a dissolve to him in high school, and it's basically just a little scene of him going down the hallway being nervous with girls, and then he has to confront Flash Thompson, the bully, who's trying to give a, a lunchtime swirly to some little nerdy kid. So I'll be honest with you guys. I watched this movie again. I thought, well, maybe if I watch it, because I loved it when I saw it in theaters. I was like, maybe second time I won't like it as much. I'll tell you, boys, I watched this. I love the hell out of it.
2: So I, re- I, I would just want you guys to bring it. I need to know what you guys have problems with. All right, well, I'll start. Uh, and, I mean, right off the bat, I'm having problems with the portrayal of Peter Parker. I mean, he's coming into this rock music on a skateboard, getting yelled at by his teacher. He looks like a male model. You know, he's not. This isn't the the nerdy Peter Parker that I'm familiar with. And he's right there. He's going over and saving kids who are getting picked on from a bully. And I mean, he's already unre- not as relatable, I think, as you know the Peter Parker in either the Sam Raimi movie or in the original comic books. He's he's not really. You know, he, he's, he's a good-looking hip, guy. The girl yeah, the girl already likes him, you know? He's
1: hip. He's cool. You know he's hip because he's got an old-fashioned camera right there. Um, he's on a skateboard. He's dressing like a badass. And, yeah, he stands up to Flash right away. And this does... Right here we get into, like, my big problem with the film is that this is, like, the most half-assed love story of all time because it's no challenge for Peter Parker. She's instantly into him, and there's no... Their their relationship has no complications in this film. I mean, other than him being Spider-Man, but, you know, whatever. But I mean, she's just instantly into him here. He doesn't have to fight to earn her, like you know, earn her affection or anything. They've kind of just jettisoned the idea of Peter Parker as a nerd who becomes Spider-Man. See, I
2: got, I, mean, I got. Go- do- well, sorry, Goat. Uh, well, you, you, I, did, I wanted to mention that you, you brought up. You know, he was having trouble, or he was feeling anxious around the the girl earlier when they were talking in the hallway. But I mean, nothing about the way he looks or is really acting is really selling me as someone who should feel awkward around girls.
0: So, yeah, I, I don't know though, man. Cause like, I don't know, like, like just putting it in back into the real world, man. Like if you, if you guys look back at your high school, some people who maybe they were picked on, maybe they weren't, maybe they just weren't popular, but like, you know, high school, man, like the bullies whatever, just, you know, it's a real herd sheep mentality. People just like a lot of times, whether you're going to be popular and, and like, 10th, 11th, 12th grade is decided on stuff that happens when you're a 5th or 6th grade. Like, people are just weird, man. Because, like, like, I mean, it's just I look back at my high school and, like, some of the popular girls really weren't even hot. And then some of the hotter girls weren't even popular. So, I mean, I think it's just that type of thing. I don't think you can really just look at it and be like, well, this guy, he looks like a good-looking movie star guy. Because we know Andrew Garfield from other movies and stuff. I mean, I don't know. Like, just, you know, maybe he just doesn't fit in. And I feel like that's more true to original... You know, I grew up really on the Ralph Bakshi cartoon, which was adapted off the Marvel comics and a little bit like the, ori- the original origin story. And I always looked at it that Peter Parker was a guy who didn't fit in just because like he didn't really like he kind of put up a smoke screen like he was too good for everything because he was smart and he was into science and stuff. So like like I know the original cartoon like people would invite him to parties and shit and he'd be like he'd be like what a waste of time and stuff and and this, this movie is a little bit different from that he but I like that they put the intelligence back into his character because the Tobey Maguire ones he just was a goober dork like he wasn't smart he wasn't mechanically inclined like right off the bat where sh- they're shown that um. That uh, Uncle Ben wants Peter to figure out how to fix the leaky whatever in the basement and shit. So, this is the smart version of Peter Parker back again. So, I mean, I just have to disagree with you guys. Like, I mean, as far as whether he'd be popular or not in high school, I mean, I don't know. Like, like I don't even look at, like, like Andrew Garfield as being, like, this awesome, handsome movie star guy. I mean, I, he just looks like a normal... Off the street type of guy. He might, to me. Be,
1: he might be smart again, but I think what's what's lacking, and Bird might be with me on this, is the underdog element. I mean, everything just seems to be. It seems like Peter Parker's got a pretty good life in this movie. He's, even if this whole Spider-Man thing hadn't happened. He's already hooking up with the hottest girl in school. He's got this, you know, He's he's got things going on. It looks like maybe he's got some problems with Flash, but it's not like that big of an issue. I mean, it's just, I, I feel like he's, a, I, I just lose that underdog element in this movie.
0: See, and, and going back to original comics or whatever, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I haven't really read, like, I know who Gwen Stacy is. And I had a few reprints as a kid of some of the storylines. Like, I actually had a reprint of the storyline where uh parker goes to her house to have dinner and all that but i don't know too much about her character but in this movie the way i see it like i really don't see it the way you guys do is i kind of see it more like because she is a smart girl and they write it into that she's interning at oscorp and all this like she's smart herself and i feel like i feel like she's kind of like the girl who like really doesn't want to date the jocks or whatever and i felt like Like, at the beginning, I didn't get the feeling that she was really even interested in him, in uh, Peter Parker. I just got the feeling, like, she was searching for a different type of guy because, like, she, she has no chemistry... With Flash and like I, I'll I'll give you guys like the credit there like I don't I don't really don't understand what Flash and Gwen Stacy's relationship or friendship is supposed to be maybe he she's just his tutor or something. To I keep. mean
1: Flash is all, Flash is a weird character in this film. We'll talk more about that <laughs> yeah. later.
0: Yeah, but like I, I really just felt like at this point in the story where you guys are like oh this this is like going sideways already. I just felt like you know they were just classmates who knew each other, but I I didn't get the feeling at all that she was interested in him at this point.
2: well i i I mean i I feel like she she will be soon <laughs> for sure um I, I i mean i I'm just kind of with Trevin that Peter Parker someone that I mean they've they've even already established is like really really awkward with girls based on that scene in the hallway like it, they they kind of click too easily I think I mean even in the in the first Raimi movie I mean there was a great deal of awkwardness between him and mj when uh when when he first started you know kind of talking to her a lot
1: and then of course there was the the triangle with harry that so you know i think as a viewer i want there to be obstacles that i want to see peter have to overcome and i want to feel like you know there's he's this this underdog that things aren't working out for him but then you see it come work out for him in the end in this film it's just kind of everything kind of falls into place for him at at constant moments and i think another thing that's i like I, i do agree with you it's cool to see him smart again but he's also just kind of a dick in this film. I mean, he kind of is a dick towards Aunt May and Uncle Ben. He's kind of a dick towards uh, when he becomes Spider-Man. We'll get into that. He's even a dick with Flash later. He's just kind of, he's almost a bully himself in this film.
0: See, I mean, when we get to the scenes, like, I like—I had that in mind because I know you guys have been saying that and stuff. So when I rewatched I was really looking for that. I was like, what is everybody talking about? Because, like, you and some other people point that out, I really did not get that feeling at all. And we'll break it down in the scenes or whatever. But just getting back for people not watching the DVD, we saw the little high school interaction at school. Now we're into the home life with uh, Ben and Aunt May. And basically, Peter found the old briefcase of his dad's in the basement. And he found the secret papers that the Oscorp was, you know, rummaging the house for and all that kind of stuff. And like I just, I found I found that really weird that his dad like left that little briefcase there because he was trying to like they basically drop Peter Parker off to keep him safe, keep him out of it, and then he 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 leaves the papers there. Like you think the little Oscorp robbers or whatever they might break in and and kill Aunt, Aunt May and Ben and the the young Peter Parker. So I thought I did. I'll give you credit. Like if you're looking for plot holes, I thought that was a weird choice there. I'm actually uh, surprised. I do
2: feel I feel better uh, knowing that Peter Parker uses Bing.
1: Yeah, that's so he's not as smart as we say he is. <laughs> uh,
2: but um, uh, I do want to take us because we we mentioned we're we're getting into the the home life stuff. I do want to say that uh, the be- I think the best thing about this movie and my favorite thing about this movie actually is uh, Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben. I, yeah, I think fantastic. he's even better than uh, Cliff Robertson in the oh, yeah. the the Ramy movie.
1: I yeah for whatever great. whatever problems i have about the character and stuff in this i actually do think that this early like the first you know act of this film is probably the most watchable part because i might not think it's like in line with what i want to see from peter parker and the character but it's all really well performed and and yeah martin sheen is is crushing it this movie in terms of performance
0: i'm really glad you guys say that because uh like, I thought it was good casting in the original movie, Cliff Robertson. I like Cliff Robertson. I'm a fan of his or whatever for his older classic movies. But, like, he did just the script. You know, that script was really on fast forward. And he didn't have a whole lot to do as Uncle Ben. He only had maybe, like, three scenes. Even though he was likable, like, like, like it is true to Martin Sheen's, like, role, as, you know, as, as Uncle Ben. Like, it was a lot more in-depth. It felt a lot more inhuman. It felt like he was really more, uh, I don't know, in touch with Peter in this movie.
2: Yeah, Robertson was good, but I don't know. There's just something about the way that Martin Sheen plays it. Like, there's a a lot of warmth there. That
1: he's the most fully fleshed out character in the film. Like, you always understand his motivations. You always know where he's coming from. And they really, they really wrote him well. I mean, he's a fully formed character in this one. I I'm, I'm with you guys. I like Cliff Robertson. I think he was good in the role, but he kind of was like a you know a, a symbol in the Ramy films. Where in this, he's really like a three dimensional character. Right. Hey, there's uh, uh, there apparently that's Chris Cooper there.
0: No, right, so now- it, it's uh, it's actually Michael Massey, and he plays the little Norman Osborne And I gotta say, man, like when I saw that, I was, I was cool with that. I was like, I like Michael Massey. I think that's his name, but he's good character actor, plays evil sleazy guys. But yeah, in the sequel, it's gonna be Chris Cooper.
1: Sorry, yeah. Bird, go ahead.
2: Oh, I, I was just gonna say now we're we're we are finding out that Gwen works at Oscorp,
1: conveniently yeah. enough. Yeah. Now, uh, go. Last time you were talking. To- oh, wait a minute. I just want to say, I feel bad for that guy. There's the first guy whose life is ruined by Spider-Man. That guy probably isn't going to get the dream job he always wanted. Now his life's all downhill from here. Probably became an alcoholic later. All because Peter stole his name tag. Well What's yeah, so his name? Rodrigo. Rodrigo G- Gorbera. Yeah. Like, but but He'll come on, man. Become a villain in one of the later films. That's <laughs> what. Well.
0: Come on, man. That guy's a dummy. Like he, all he had to do was show his driver's license, but instead he was all entitled, not slamming his fist down on the counter i don't brought really damn it and they dragged him out uh, come on man just show your <laughs> drivers i say i i didn't say what you guys saying he stole the little name tag or whatever but um
1: hey, it, uh, it, first of all let's uh, i'm really happy Gwen stacy's wearing very appropriate lab attire in this scene but i'm not going to complain about it, it I, I
0: will give you guys like the thing or whatever like i did find it weird that she worked at oscorp
1: uh, yeah go i wanted to talk to you about that because last time when we did the ramey film you were saying that you were annoyed by how convenient and rushed it felt to just have mary jane living next to peter parker here you've got a film where gwen stacy is working at oscorp i mean everything like lines up in this film the girl he has a crush on is working at oscorp with this guy who worked with his father who turns out to be the main villain who also you know um has a connection to his own origin kind of if we assume that it didn't get all cut out i mean everything just works out perfectly in this film I agree. It's all shorthand and shortcuts.
0: I'll agree. I agree. That's really weird, especially because Parker had a connection with Doctor Connors, with you know, because him and, his, and uh, Richard Parker worked together. His dad, like, I felt like they just could have easily, like, not even like taking up more screen time to explore it, but like, I felt like he just should have could have showed up at Oscorp, been like, "Hey, I'm Richard Parker's son. I'm into science too, and all this." And I felt like him and Doctor Connors could have had that relationship without this like weird in between intermediary of gwen stacy you know what i mean like like i'll I'll give you that that's just like that was like the one kind of i don't know plot point or story contrivance that i felt like okay this is getting back into the dumb big budget summer feel of a movie but but other than that i gotta really say man especially getting into the uncle ben relationship and all that i thought mark webb was a good choice of a of a director, man. Before this, he just did Five Hundred Days of Summer,
2: and nobody could believe he was jumping to Spider Man. Everybody thought, and "Look." For the record, I like Five Hundred Days of Summer. I know Trev's not with me on that, but whatever. No, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I, I rented
0: the DVD of it. Like I was like, "Oh, this is a hype, acclaimed independent film," and I I, I turned it off halfway through. Man, I, <laughs> I, I found Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe Deschanel or whatever her name is like. I found them so annoying together. But I do think it was a smart move to bring a director in who does care about dialogue who does care about you know relationships between characters and stuff so and, and 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 i also watched the feature length making of this movie and like mark webb man like you wouldn't think it because independent film director or whatever he knows a lot about technical side of filmmaking he knows a lot about the 3d shooting process he knows a lot about the integration of the cgi i'll, I'll give this dude credit man after watching this uh, documentary I like 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 I'm just really in awe of th- this guy's talent. And shit. Well,
2: I, I um, if there is one kind of trend going on in in uh, like these with these big movies, I do like that they are willing to hire in you know independent directors, even if like this was a case where you know studio got final cut, a lot got cut out. But I mean, I, I feel like regardless, I'm sure there there's some certain things about Mark Webb's sensibilities that still are filtered through into this movie, like. I feel like studios are, are more willing now to take a gamble on, on indie directors. And that's why, you know, you have someone like, uh, you know, like that's where our del Toros and our Nolans came from the indie world. And, you know, I mean, Gareth Edwards is doing Godzilla right now. And, you know, the, the, the what, what was that movie? Safety not guaranteed. I haven't seen it, but it, that was a small independent movie. That guy's doing Jurassic park four. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's nice to have some
1: fresh blood, you know? Let's not kid ourselves, boys. They hired Mark Webb because his last name's Webb. Let's not... <laughs>
0: I, I thought that was awesome, man. Like, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. But, yeah, and also just right off the bat, like, the title of this movie, going back to The Amazing Spider-Man, which was, you know, there's, if people don't know, there's not just a Spider-Man comic book. There's The Amazing Spider-Man, which is the original, and then they did these offshoots. They did Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. They did Webb of Spider-Man. So, like, I felt like... Finally, where the Raimi movies were kind of trying to meet the audience halfway and like kind of wiping away the nerdy parts of the comic book. I felt like this movie was really embracing the nerdy parts of the science, of the mythology, you know, bringing more of a comic book like whatever into it. I think
1: they actually dropped the ball a little in that. I'm actually disappointed the next one's just called Amazing Spider-Man 2. I was hoping they were going to maybe call the next one like, you know, Superior or, or maybe not Superior, but like Web of Spider-Man. Or something. yeah, like use those other comic titles, you know.
0: I, I, I was, too. I thought maybe they would go with that and all that. But, like, I'll be honest with you, Trev. I think they're already looking towards the next reboot, and they want to save <laughs> the titles for that. Well, Here we go, you man. It's 2012. I,
1: 2012 now, guys. You can't just have one spider. It's got to be fucking 500 spiders. Well,
0: well let's <laughs> explain this to people who aren't watching the DVD. Basically, because he's not going to be shooting Jism. Out of his his wrists, and they didn't go with the original comic origin that his dad invented the adhesive that was used as the webbing. They put it onto Oscorp that they have something called a bio cable, and I don't really understand this. I, like they never really explain it, but these these super super spiders like they're spinning like these these webs that are somehow stronger than steel and all this shit. So he basically wanders into a um, like a little room where all these spiders are uh, making the bio cable is what they call it. And, like, he touches, like, a little wall that's, like, where they're all spinning the webs. And it basically, you know, I guess because it's an organic process, you know, he contaminates it and the web dies. And all these spiders, man, like, they really try to go horrific with it, man. Try to make it like a horror movie scene. All these spiders falling down, like, trying to play on people's fears of insects and shit. Just all hundreds of spiders jumping down on him, biting the shit out of him.
2: He probably shouldn't have touched that stuff.
0: No, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. That was a pretty dumb move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now here, like these. What, scenes, no, what is?
2: I, what's this guy doing? Which guy? I don't even remember this part. The guy that just put this bottle on his head. Why did he do that?
0: Are, is he on the subway already? Yeah. Uh, you're you're ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something happened, Trev, buddy. You're you're way ahead. Wait, where are you guys? We're still at Oscorp. It's at twenty-two yeah. minutes, about fifty seconds. This is
2: what happens when you don't. Feel like red boxings. I told
1: you not to stream, see? But.
0: <laughs>
2: exactly. For the people who don't
0: know, I'm watching the, the Blur ray Trev's watching the DVD, and for whatever reason, when you play those alongside each other, those keep sync. But I've noticed this with other commentary podcasts. If you, uh, if like somebody's like on a streaming internet, like somehow the speed, I don't know, like the speed of the movie like works at different paces. So somehow Tre uh, I'm sorry, Bird is ahead of us, but
1: yeah, we're just right. now getting the bottle. On yeah. He just put the bottle.
0: I gotta be honest. Oh. I, I, like, okay, so you guys aren't that, that, that far. No. Nah. Like pause your thing for about 10 seconds, Bird. And then hit play again. I think you'll, we'll catch up. Okay. I gotta be honest. This is a, a terrible scene it is i love this movie but this is terrible scene
1: it's this is i mean there's some action scenes later that have some okay choreography but when i first this scene like makes you kind of worried about mark webb's action directing at first you know because it's it's filmed choppy and it's just i don't know it's off
0: if i if i had, he uses a lot of jump cuts and stuff and and, which i like jump cuts but i don't know why he uses them the place he does but um but let's get to uh, it, it, the, the, the dynamics of this subway scene, to me, made no sense, Trev. Um, basically, it's a dirty old bum is putting a beer bottle onto his head because he passed out on the subway because he's got the, the spider venom running through him and all that. He's transforming. And the bum puts the beer bottle, and then he jumps up. He jumps on the ceiling, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to fight him. He Like, the beer spilled on this girl. And, th- and that girl who got her shirt ripped off... I'm pretty sure she's the girl who's in David Mammoth Spartan. She's very strange looking, but I got to admit, man, I think she's really attractive, especially She, looks, you, like the,
1: uh, she looks like Mom. <laughs> no, Octo. I don't, well, I don't know. Like,
0: this chick's a little more darker skin tone than Octomom, but but yeah, but like, that's the one good scene is you get to see that girl in her bra, and I think she looks pretty good, but, but yeah, like, that scene's just terrible. He jumps up on the ceiling, and then he starts kicking everybody, starts ripping out the poles, of the whatever, and, and, and this, the you know, the Raimi version, they showed the little prickly hairs coming out of his hands and showing that's how he sticks on the stuff. This version, he just started sticking on everything.
2: We don't even know why, so I don't know. Yeah, and then yeah, and both, uh, both of them, like, have him, you know, sticking to everything after he, he gets bit, but then, like, you know, ha- like, ten minutes later in both movies, he just stops sticking to things.
0: Well, that's another thing, too, is I really don't understand, because I don't remember this from the comic
2: book, they didn't do that in the comic book yeah, ever. I don't think. Yeah,
0: in the movies, when he gets the power to stick to stuff, he um, he. I don't know, man. Like he can't control it, so he's like picking everything up by accident, and it kind of leads to like some bumbling, dumb comedy, stupid shit. And I gotta say, like in this movie, it ain't in Sam Raimi's movie. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm not really down with that.
2: That Stouffer's mac and cheese is pretty good, by the way.
0: Yeah man, uh, if you're not following the DVD cuz he's transforming the Spider, he's all sweaty. He just went home and raided the fridge and like I found this scene a little stupid too like <laughs> like Aunt May and Uncle Ben are like, "Oh, like is he drunk? Is he high? Why is he eating all this food?" I don't know if you guys remember man, but like when you're in high school man, like I guess cuz you're still growing, your metabolism's all high man, like like, you got to eat, like, by every four hours and, like... That's,
1: like, that's like 50 years ago for Martin Sheen. He doesn't remember. He's out of touch, man. <laughs> but, I mean, like, don't you'd you... Think you'd think he'd know. You'd think Charlie Sheen probably had the most crazy metabolism of anybody. Yeah, no,
0: no shit with all the cookies on. But, uh, I mean, don't you guys remember just coming home from school, being
2: famished and just grubbing out and, like, oh, yeah. everything? Oh, yeah, of course. Now, are you guys at where he's looking in the mirror? Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's All pulling right. the. And I, we're and at I, the same spot then. What what did what is that? It's watch. It's, oh, a, it's a spider sweater. Right yeah,
0: it's okay. got the spider on the end of it. Like like basically, I, and when I saw this again, I thought we were going back into Sam Raimi jizz territory. Because there's a web coming out of like the wound in the back of his neck, and I thought it was a web of his spinning out, but no, it's actually the web of the spider. I forgot that part.
1: Yeah, we're uh, well for the last like twenty or so minutes we've been confronting. What is the biggest problem with this film is just how repetitive all this seems. I mean, it's only been it, it's only been ten years since the last film. Now, Goat, you like it, we don't, but are you with us in thinking that this movie just should have kind of you know, started with him as Spider-Man. I mean, they were already working at a disadvantage of trying to, like, redo all this stuff anyways.
0: Well, well, see, I disagree with you guys on that very strongly, and obviously it's just coming from my perspective, my viewpoint, that I did not like the Raimi films. So just the fact they were going to reboot it and get rid of the spider jizz and have mechanical web shooters, I was well, why cool not with do, that.
1: Why not do it like the way Incredible Hulk did it, where you just kind of have the, the origin, like, in the opening credits or something, and then just move on? I mean, we're sitting through a lot of stuff that we're familiar with and we're just seeing it all well here's the this is really weird this scene plays like a fucking scene Horror from train Movie. spotting or yeah. something you know <laughs> it's like tweaking and well Tony, i do
0: did that too no but yeah. but but like okay my perspective on it is and i and this is what i like about it is they did they did the origin again, but they but they they're still trying to do it differently. They're still trying to do because we, we like we never got the lizard in the other films, and we get the lizard in this film. So we like so like that's a different origin little setup there. Um, well,
1: they're doing the origin differently, but that's even what I mean to where they're working at a disadvantage in that you know however you feel about the tone or whatever the ramy film. I mean, it got the origin dead on. It, it is that you know amazing fantasy number fifteen. They they nailed it, and this one. They're kind of stuck in it, like they're like, well we gotta do the origin again, but we can't just do the same thing. It's only been ten years, so let's make it all different. And right. so now you come into this like, oh, he was genetically engineered to be Spider-Man since he was a kid, and he doesn't just happen to get bit by a spider, he's already there investigating the mystery of his parents. And I mean it's it they're just convoluting it just to make it different.
0: No, see I disagree with you guys just because like especially when you watch the documentary, you see the producers talking, and they and they actually bring up the fact that they try to do part four with Toby and Sam Raimi but, like, a lot of their disagreements and why they couldn't do it was they felt like they rushed through everything so much in the original trilogy that they felt that there was, like, nowhere left to go because they totally skipped over Gwen Stacy. They had him get with Mary Jane so quick. And, like, especially, like, now they wanted to spend more time on him in high school. And, like, like you remember, Trev, when we watched the movie, we were amazed by how quick he, like, jumped out of high school. So, like, and plus, man, I just feel like a director or whatever, like he mark webb is starting his amazing amazing spider-man franchise i feel like you got to give him the time and mark webb to his credit said like he was nervous about this origin story he didn't really want to do it or whatever but like at the same time like if you're starting over you got to start the fuck over man like you can't
1: just be- well Gar- garfield has also since come out and said that he feels like the second one will be much better because he wasn't really comfortable doing the origin again either
0: right man and and i gotta say like as much as like i wasn't crazy about seeing the origin again I mean, it's just a taste thing, whatever, but, like, I felt, like, and also the producer said they wanted to redo the story, but do it with a different tone, and I know you guys, like, have a lot of problems with this movie, but personally, I was, like, when I saw this in the theater, I was relieved for all the bumbling shit, and you guys know me, I'm brutally honest, like, I didn't like that subway scene, I thought it was dumb as hell. But, like, for all that shit, I felt like the tone of the movie... I was like, finally, we're getting Spider-Man as a movie. Like, the way Sam Raimi did it... And I understand. I'm not slamming him or whatever. But, like, he did it as a live-action cartoon. He really did. And I felt like this time we're doing it as a real... And I don't And I don't want to sound pretentious to say the word serious because that sounds really stupid for a Spider-Man movie. But, like, yeah, it's like a serious, toned, you know, PG-13 film. So, like, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked that they restarted all that shit. I liked that they took the twists and turns a little differently with the origin. They redid it differently. So, like, just the fact that they did it as differently as they did, I didn't feel like it was this big rehash repeat the way you guys did.
2: Now, go. do you feel like maybe the way that you prefer this to the more cartoonish style, the Raimi stuff, do you feel like that has anything to do with maybe the... The Spider-Man, the particular Spider-Man comics or cartoons that you grew up with, like in like specifically.
0: I mean, I mean, maybe to be honest with you, because like just to put it in perspective, date myself a little bit. Like, what got me into Spider-Man was the <laughs> Ralph Bakshi cartoon that was. Um... Uh, it was the original Spider Man cartoon. It came out like the late sixties, but it was rerun all the way up through at least where I lived. You know, on like those little independent TV stations, it was rerun all through the eighties. So that's what I grew up with. And then because I was like obviously a kid, I'm crazy about Spider Man. With the comic books, my parents bought me the comic books at that time. It was the time period where Spider Man was actually dropped out of college, and they were more serious. Yeah, they, yeah, they were. But but don't get me wrong, guys. I, I'm not into the super brooding fake. Like to me, if you want to do a badass movie, do an R-rated, awesome movie. Like I'm not I'm not a Batman, like this big Christopher Nolan Dark Knight serious Batman fan.
1: Oh, we know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, I, like I don't like this movie because it's all fake dark. What I like is I just feel like they took the time. To, to dramatize everything, because, like, I'm sorry, but, like, it's not even so much about the cartoon versus serious film, like, line that the, the, the two franchises have. I just don't think it's good acting. I don't think it's good writing. I don't think it's good directing in the original when Tobey Maguire's all like, gee, wow! Like, even in part three, there's a scene where he's swinging around. In part three of the franchise, he's swinging around going, whoopee! Woo. It's like, dude, you've been Spider-Man for, like, six years now. You shouldn't be, sw- like squealing like a little girl in delight just because you could swing across the city and shit so i mean i just think oh,
1: you're so jaded goat man i feel like being spider-man would be awesome for a pretty long time i don't know man. seven years man come on oh here this, now come on goat this scene is terrible see i don't think it i don't think it's terrible for the, the story. music the music is all cartoony and goofy this is like it suddenly turns into like one of those like zach efron like high school comedies and his how his, music he, does bother me. And here he is. He's just being a flat-out dick here. I mean, he's. I mean, I know Flash is a bully, but he's being a bully back. I don't know what kind of lesson lesson is teaching. He's purposely humiliating Flash in front of everyone and just kind of showing off and being a cock.
0: See, see, and that's the real dividing line. I gotta say, man, if I was Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, if I was Spider-Man, and like whatever in this school and Flash Thompson, I would have done the exact same thing. Now,
1: well, I don't even you can have scenes like this in the movie, but the point of the movie should be that he eventually learns that this was wrong and not to act like this. And he never does. That that never happens in the movie. It's just at a certain point he kind of stops acting like that, but there's no scenes or any kind of justification for it.
2: Well, you know what's worse about that is in a way this scene is kind of like the catalyst for Uncle Ben getting killed, but nobody in the movie seems to realize it. Boys, boys. I'm telling you, when you make a movie, whether
0: you're the actor, you director, you don't... You guys are looking at the big picture. You guys are looking at the character as a total. And, like, the thing is, is, like, you got to play it in the moment and stuff. And, like, like what would the point be of, in this moment, him realizing he has superpowers and he should use them for good and shit? He's a 17-year-old boy. He's tired of this asshole bullying everybody all around. Like, of course you're going to show up. And to be fair... The only, like, if I was directing the scene, I would have had the same thing happen. But I just don't like how cartoony it goes. It's stupid that he grabs the basketball and, like, he bowls Flash over. And then he, like, does, like, a Michael Jordan space jam dunk. Like, this was stupid. Like, he should have actually. Like, just humiliated him in basketball. He should have crossed him over. Because Spider-Man has all them... You know, even if he's not used to playing basketball, he should have all them reflexes, at hand-eye coordination. He should have crossed him over. He should have looked him like a fool to really, like, knock Flash Thompson down on the alpha male list and shit. And then he just should have, like, kind of pulled his punch a little bit and just did a regular dunk and dunked hard. But I'll give you credit. It's horrible when he flies to the air and he's like... Like, that, that is shitty. But in terms of the character like i mean he just knocked him down dude like i've played basketball like i've been knocked to the ground like that like it's it like it's not this horrifying experience you know what i mean like no,
1: go i mean go i get what you're saying and i'm with you and even so okay here he's he's kind of acting like a dick here too but I, and i'm saying like all that would be fine if it seemed like i mean obviously we all know the point of spider-man is with great power comes great responsibility and if the film was about him learning that responsibility and learning that like oh when i first got these powers i was just using them for my own selfish like show you know show up the bully and then everything but that just never happens in the film he he starts the film in one in one mindset and he ends it in the same mindset there's no character development
0: See, I mean, I I disagree with you. Like, it's not like he's come 180 degrees at the end. Like, it's not like this big moment where he's like, oh, I need to do this. At this part of the film, man, he's not thinking about being Spider-Man. Nothing because, obviously, Uncle Ben ain't died yet. He doesn't have a mission to go on. But he's just kind of like, I got these powers. Like, like, it's like, I think it's realistic, man, 100%. Like, that a young kid like this who's been, like, the outcast, whatever, suddenly he has the power to do whatever he wants. I think he would abuse it at this point. And I, I mean, like, there isn't that scene where at the end he's like, "I got to do this, got to do that." But it's like, I feel like by the time that you know jumping ahead, the the time when Dennis Leary dies in his arms and all that shit, I do think a lot of that like jerky, ego driven, whatever is is gone out of the character. Like they don't wrap it up, and he's not like, "Oh, I gotta be serious mm-hmm. now." But I do feel like he does go on, a, you know, a journey here.
1: Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> don't
0: but just just real quick, props on Mark Webb. I gotta say, man, watching this movie again and stuff, I feel like his background as an independent film director really focused on relationships. I liked the way a lot of these high school hallway scenes, like when he was talking to Ben, and I was talking to Gwen. Like, I actually liked the way this all played out. Like, I kind of got away from that, you know, that that big goofy summer movie feel. And I felt like, as a filmmaker, Mark Webb really in these scenes, which was appropriate. He brought it down to just like. Basically a talking heads, you know, drama type feel. I, I liked it, man. I thought he did these scenes, which are normally the shit that we want to fast forward through in these types of movies. I felt like he played them out good.
1: No, I like these scenes, too. I mean, most of my problems with this film do kick in once he becomes Spider-Man. Like I said, I, you know, watching this film, I almost wish it was just a, a movie about Peter and Gwen, because that's sure as shit more interesting than any of the superhero stuff that's to come later. And here we have more skateboarding yeah well skateboarding is still cool according to aviarad so
2: well yeah aviarad did say that he just wanted to make him cool which i don't know peter parker isn't the kind of guy i think of as cool
0: no but I, don't, I don't do. i'll be honest when I, when I saw this scene in the theater first time i thought this was awesome man like i loved it that he was doing these crazy ollies and all this shit and and, and let, let's really bring it out too especially watching the behind the scenes of this man i'm surprised and credit to mark webb because this was his decision they use a lot of physical stuntmen in this movie for crazy stuff and yeah, it's guys on wires and stuff but at least they didn't you know totally go cg and like they actually did a lot of physical stunts which you know today's blockbusters don't do and shit yeah oh i love this I, you guys probably hate it, but i love this scene where he's swinging on the chains it's kind of the precursor to his web sling i thought this was great man like the only, the only, like, weird feeling I got from this scene is it totally reminded me of the Kevin Bacon barn dancing yeah, flash scene. Bands, of, right, yeah, No, Footloose. No, 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 no,
1: Footloose, yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah.
0: And, and, you know, no Mark Webb, man. Like, I don't know. I, like, I wouldn't doubt if that was intentional, but yeah. But. I,
1: I actually didn't mind the swing on the chains. It's all the skateboarding stuff I thought was a little silly, but that's, like, a small complaint. I mean.
0: Now, now, like, a big part of skateboarding is being able to control your board. Did you guys get the feeling that he was able to skateboard so good now because his feet were sticking to the board? I was actually thinking that, yeah. But well, I, I, So his, that. He's got his shoes. feet
1: can stick to the board even through the shoes? That's pretty impressive.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's kind of the other plot hole because the comic books, the version of the character I'm used to, like, even when Peter Parker has to, like, scale a wall in his normal clothes, he always has to take his shoes off. Yeah, and like in this one, it's he climbs up the walls with his. He, he's wearing a pair of uh, a Nike Dunk SB shoes. Uh, it's a skateboarding version of the old Nike basketball shoe. And like, oh, I'm
1: mean, what are you, you sponsored by Nike now, Goat, or what's going on? <laughs>
0: Pretty much, man. I got I, dude, dude. I even have the the Nike Spider Man SB shoes. But um, but I mean, that's a thick rubber sole, man. Like, there's no way your little spider. I don't know. Little prickly things are going to come through your foot and through those. Like I did find that a plot hole, and like yeah,
2: they shouldn't. Have, they just shouldn't have done that in any of these.
0: <laughs> well, well, also too. Like the the real version of Spider Man, the comic book one, his suit. You know, the little boots he has on—they're pretty much just socks. They're really not boots with a sole in it because they need to be thin so he can stick to the walls. And like. This movie kind of screwed that up too because you can tell like like the like the way they did it was he makes a boot but he actually uses like cuts a sole out of a pair of A6 track shoes and like even the even that's the plot hole when he's in the suit as Spider-Man in this movie because that sole would be too thick for him to stick on the wall still.
1: Man, where would these sort of scenes be without Minority Report? <laughs>
0: You know, you know what's weird, man, is... I uh, and, uh, and give Sony props for putting out an awesome special edition of this, but Mark Webb talked about this scene. He really wanted to do this scene because it was one of those scenes where he could bring the 3D, like, give it some depth and all that. So, like, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I found that whole kind of... They call it the Tree of Life or whatever, or whatever. That's what Mark Webb calls it, but I found them little holographic CGI computer screens. Like, I found that a little too Star Trek, Space Age bullshit. I don't know. Like, it just was like... Wow! Look what we can do! But it's like there's no, there's nothing even close to that existing. I think the closest thing is that Microsoft, uh, like table computer. I don't know if you guys ever seen the demos of that, but just this CGI hologram. I don't know Star Trek shit floating in the middle of the air. I did. I didn't really buy that.
1: Here we go. Are we getting to the moment that where they refuse to say, uh, with great power comes great responsibility." Uh, it's coming. See,
0: I don't know, man. Like, like be honest with you, like,
1: I hate I think it is here. I think it is this scene where he's, like, yelling at yeah. him, and he's, like, going on. He goes on, like, a five-minute rant that could just be translated. Do you guys into have the
0: sound on? Because I have the sound on. I don't, I don't I don't have the sound on, but I got the subtitles on so I can read what they're saying. And, like, basically, basically, uh, man, we totally forgot. Like, if you ain't got the DVD at home or whatever, like, he basically because he was playing Footloose, and shit in the, in the in the in the in the the dockyard, he basically was supposed to you know escort his Aunt May home from work because this is New York City, man. People get mugged and shit, but uh, he didn't do it. He was screwing around too much at, uh, with a skateboard, and then he was hanging out with what's his name at Oscorp.
1: Here it is. He believed that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here, not choice responsibility. Now why can't they just say with great power comes great responsibility? They should
2: have. I mean, that's an iconic line. It, it is. Really like is. go,
1: you said last time that you think people would have grown if it was in there, but I just totally disagree. That is the iconic Spider-Man line. That's like saying that like when they reboot James Bond, we don't want to hear him say Bond, James Bond. We do. I mean, it's just it's the line, you know? I
2: mean, we already have them going over the Aunt May, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben dying thing. I mean, just say, you might as well just say it. You're doing everything else.
1: Yeah, but and, and you're only calling attention to the fact that you're not saying it by coming up with some like longer extended version but boys boys
0: okay what's the great power that he has at this point in the story like like don't get me wrong i love that i love that uh that speech from the comic book i love it the way i actually that actually was is one of my favorite scenes of the original is way cliff robertson that scene he he acts it out and dude i mean i it would have been great if uh they could have worked in a way for martin sheen to say it but just to shoehorn it
2: into this scene in particular like i like, I don't know. Like, 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 well, he said something that means the exact same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And I he mean, says it in the original one before he's Spider Man, also. So it's not like you need to wait for him to be Spider Man to hear that, you know, that philosophy.
0: I mean, I don't know. Like, 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 to me, like, I'm the type of guy who I, you know, when I go to see a Die Hard movie, I don't want to see Bruce Willis say Yippee K, motherfucker. Just because, like, I find it corny when, like, they parrot other films or whatever. If there was a way. I'm with you guys. If there was a way that they could have wrote it into the story, I would have been cool with it. But I don't know, man. Like just to say it, just to say it. I think that's kind of like gimmicky fan service. But
2: I mean, why have him say that last awkward thing if they weren't trying to convey that? I mean, obviously they did want to give get that message across. It's just they didn't want to say that say it that particular way, just because you know they didn't they were uncomfortable with it.
0: I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I. I you know, I, I wasn't there. I don't know, like, what the whatever it was, but it's just that was the scene where he was basically Uncle Ben was bitching him out, saying, Hey, man, you got to be a protector. You know, you, you got to look out for your Aunt May. You got to look out for whoever needs you and stuff. So, I mean, that was kind of like a little forced, like, whatever. Like, all the stuff involving Ben's death, I will give it to you. It, 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 I don't dislike it, but it does feel a little awkward. Like, here we have it the, is. Here we have the robber. Uh, fought, like running down the street, and it's weird that he only sold a six-pack of beer in about seventeen dollars. But I found this incredibly awkward, where Robert drops a gun, and then Uncle Ben's like going for the gun, like why? Like he brought the he brought this on himself here. Like, he I, like honestly, <laughs> he kind of did. Like like
1: what I, you guys didn't see is that actually, uh, it's hard to tell. But in right in a split second, there, Sandman actually ran in and shot him. It's really just <laughs> hard to see.
0: <laughs> Flint makeup? I I think what happened was, I think Flint Mako was on the roof with a sniper rifle. (laughs) I think Flint Mako was in on the $17 and six-pack of cheap beer heist. And he wanted to make sure.
1: They've been planning it for months, you know, casing that that six-pack, walking back and forth, looking at it. Like... (laughs) I got in terms of the dramatics
0: of the actors, man, like I thought this was a great scene. I really do. But in terms of the staging, I, even when I saw it the first time, I thought that shooting of Uncle Ben was awkward, man. Like, I don't think this is a perfect movie, but I, I love this movie. But I mean, I don't know. This this was very awkward. And I think a lot of it had to do with like, how are you going to show an older man getting shot in a PG-13 and all mm-hmm. this? But
1: uh, I watched it. Is the... strange. You know, I actually uh, I'll give him credit where credit's due. I mean, uh, uh, I, I got to keep on myself to say the positive things, too. If you have to redo, like, how Uncle Ben dies, I think the changing it to the whole convenience store thing, it worked, and I, they still had the moment where he refused to help, you know, catch the guy. Uh, the only thing is, it does seem, like you guys said, like, Ben brought it on himself a little bit there, and it kind of removes, like, you know, the responsibility yeah. that There's Peter There's better ways feel.
2: to handle that situation, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the way they play it out dramatically in the film, I, I, I buy it 100% that Peter, like, feels bad, because... Because a, it is his fault that Uncle Ben's out there on the street at that time, and B, he was right there. He could have stopped it. Like you know, if you weren't being such an asshole and shit. But um,
1: well, it's weird. Like in the original and in the comic, like the idea is the guy's running by him, and he says, "Why didn't you just trip him?" That's fine. But in this, that guy wanted him to like chase down a criminal on the street. Like no kid would help. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, "Yeah, I'll go help you catch that guy that might have a gun." And now we know he did. You know?
0: Yeah, same here. I think they kind of like try to twist it. And I don't know if it was really the right move, but I think they try to twist it into be more of a Punisher origin of a senseless act that kind of pushes Spider-Man so, into becoming yeah, a vigilante.
1: Exactly. I, I want to talk about that in a moment. But.
0: but but my last point about that scene is I'm with you boys. I think if Uncle Ben would have backed up and like you know got out of the way, I think I do would have picked up his gun and ran down the street and like I don't know that that was a hundred percent forced the shooting of
2: Uncle Ben and that robber. I feel like the, the 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 gas station attendant was a little like, I feel like that was a little forced too. Like there there was no reason that guy needed to be like, like who would act like that to somebody?
0: Yeah, the like. guy was. At first, I thought it was the dude from Lost. That's but, what I
1: thought too. First.
0: But um, I mean, to be honest, that wasn't the most believable thing either. I mean, you can kind of always be like, okay, there's there's people at dicks that are dicks at minimum wage jobs or what have you. But I felt like I was forced like. Maybe this would have sent the wrong message. Maybe people would have got offended. But, like, it would have been more believable to me if it just would have been, like, maybe it was, like, a a, a, a dude, like, a foreigner-type dude new to the country, didn't speak. Like, if it just would have been, like, a lost-in-translation thing and, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it just would have been, like, him and Peter were kind of, like, 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 arguing or whatever and the dude was having trouble speaking English. Like, I would buy, like, something like that, but just some dude going... You only have two dollars. The chocolate milk is two oh seven. Like that—that that was lame. Like they should have. And he doesn't
2: even it. let them take change from the take a penny dish. Come on. And, and by the way, like
0: I didn't get that at all. Like the guards, like like I mean, obviously he's making this shit up. He's like, you have to spend ten bucks if you want to take a penny out of this jar. Like, okay, if them take a penny, leave a penny jars at the little gas stations and shit. If that was only to take or leave a penny, you could never take a penny. What would the fucking point of those things be?
1: <laughs> That's true. And we have more Spider-Man, the Dark Avenger. See, I like this shit, man, because this shit's lit. Like it's that Spider-Man Broadway musical for a moment here, dude.
0: I love this. I'll be honest. I love this parkour shit, and I love it that he that he just naturally has these moves from now being let's, Spider-Man. Let's,
1: I, this this plays well. Don't get me wrong, but let, let's. I mean, action wise, but go. Let's just talk about this now, because you brought it up a moment ago, and obviously you don't have a problem with it, but I do want to hear why because. There, this is like kind of where we're getting to the the initial of this this film's betrayal of the Spider-Man character and that the way it always originally played was that, you know, he does not stop the guy. That guy kills Uncle Ben. But in the uh, Raimi version, you know, that, uh, in the comics, the guy gets arrested right away. In the movie, he, he dies when he falls out the window. But you know, Peter realizes, oh, I have these powers. I should be using them to help people. And he becomes Spider-Man, not to have anything to do with that guy because that that issue's already been solved. He becomes Spider-Man because he's like, I can go out and help people. In this film, he becomes Spider-Man just to go get the guy who killed his uncle. He, they have turned him into the Punisher. He's a vigilante now. He's just got this one mindset. I he never finds I, that guy either. No, he doesn't. I, and they just kind of forget about it. But I just, I, I hate that. I'm sorry. It's it's making, it's totally changing the core of Spider-Man. See,
0: I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. And, and it is a change because, like, whatever, they couldn't just rehash. But I love it, dude. I like, I, like, I love it that, like, I mean, I like the original way in the comic book, too. But, uh. I liked it because it's like, it's just plain, to me, the situation, the reality of the situation. Okay, what would a 17-year-old boy do? He knows he has these powers. He knows he's strong. Like, and you're in that, that, that grieving mode where you don't know where to make sense of things. Like, I think, you know, a situation like that, people just want revenge, man. And, like, especially if you have these physical powers that nobody else has. I just, like, it is a deviation from the norm of the comic book. But to me, it's 100% believable. It's 100% what he would do. And I like that the scene played out with them guys. Like, he found himself in some hot water. So he's he's slowly learning what he can and can't do. I'm just with it, man. I just think it works as a movie.
1: But again, you hear you're talking about realism in a Spider-Man film. I mean, to me, like, this is like me with, like, Man of Steel, where, like, I feel like what they're missing from that. I mean, I see you're saying that, yes, maybe in a realistic world, if that happened, you had these powers, you would go out trying to find the guy and, like, be like, I'm going to fuck that guy up. But for a Spider Man movie, like what I want to see, it's more to me it's more inspirational, it's more like hopeful to think that no, it's not that he's got this hard on about getting one guy. It's that he's like, Oh, this bad thing happened and I could I could prevent that happening to anyone else in the city. But that's not what this version of Peter Parker cares about.
2: I mean I I get what Goat is saying, and maybe I mean maybe that is what the filmmakers are going for, that like, well think about like if you're seventeen, you're gonna do this, but I mean, I I also feel like Peter Parker isn't gonna do what any other seventeen year old would do. I'm gonna like if that makes sense. I
1: I want him to be better than that. I want him to be like this figure that you know we're supposed to aspire to. That's kind of the point of the character. And in this, they're just letting him kind of fall into that base emotion of revenge.
0: But but see, I mean that's. That, that's the journey, though. If he's already there, guys, like, it's only, like, half hour in the movie or whatever. Like, if, he, if he's already got everything figured out, and he, you know, as a 17-year-old boy or whatever, like, I mean, what's the point? Like, like you know, we're here to tell the dramatic story. Like, there's got to be different stages in the journey. I mean, I understand what you guys... Well, doesn't,
1: I mean, doesn't the movie still end with him going to look for the guy? I mean, it's not like he ever gets over it.
2: No, he, how how do you feel about that goat?' Cause, like we' were saying like you know he becomes spider man to find the guy, and I get why why you like that, but like how do you feel that the the movie doesn't really wrap that up it, like once the lizard comes along, they just kind of forget about him looking for the guy that killed his uncle
0: uh just just real quick uh he's listening to the police scanner now becoming vigilante and they they call out uh precinct 13 i gotta think that's a call out to john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 but no no bird like i like it dude like to me and see you guys are saying like oh he don't learn this lesson of you can help other people you can whatever but i think the fact that he never does find the guy or whatever I th- and obviously like we we show they show this little like not really a montage but these the sequences of him like going after similar suspects trying to find the guy he never does like I feel like if he does find the guy maybe he'll just quit and be whatever But the fact that he never finds the guy, he can never right the wrong, he can never stop Uncle Ben from being killed. I mean, they don't wrap it up in a dialogue scene or whatever, but I just feel like as an emotion. We know that, like, we know that he screwed up and he, it's like the great power comes great responsibility. Instead of somebody just telling him that in a dialogue, that's his lesson he needs to learn, man. Because it's like, he realizes he'll probably never find that guy. He'll never be able to stop what happened to Uncle Ben or make it right or whatever. But yeah, he he can help other people. So instead of like, it's just his journey that he needs to figure that out himself, and that's why I like it, man. I mean, you know, it's it's just like let's 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 be truthful. I mean, obviously, I love the shit that he's in a suit and he's Spider Man and all this shit. But I mean, to me I don't think it's the best dramatic whatever, but I think it works. Like I wouldn't sit here and pick the movie apart and hate it the way you
2: dudes do. Well, I I, <laughs> I just feel I mean if what you're saying is true and if I mean if that's what they wanted, I feel like they should have conveyed that emotion somehow. I I do feel like the movie just forgets that his uncle even got killed once the lizard comes around.
0: I mean, you, I mean I I kind of see what you're saying, Bird but at the same time man it's like and you know the movie doesn't make it real clear on what this time period is of when uncle ben gets killed and all this spider-man hijinks and shit but at the same time man like i feel like you know if a guy is about to like blow up the city with some gas and make everybody some ugly ass lizard like you don't have time to cry about your uncle ben anymore you know what i mean like like instead of it's like actions speak louder than words and like he does man he 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 tries to sacrifice himself to put himself in harm's way to realize he's the only person who can stand up and stop this super lizard threat whatever i mean i feel like he does learn the lesson that you guys are saying like is non-existent in the film
1: Now, before we start talking about this scene, uh, we just came to like another mistake the movie made. And Goat, uh, I'm not sure if you ever even saw this footage, but that that brief moment in that montage where we're kind of seeing through his eyes and he's running through the city. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about that. That was like originally like a promo reel that they showed at Comic Con that went on for a really long time and it was actually really cool. And I don't know awesome. why the I don't know why the hell in the movie they cut that down to just a couple of quick frames that they should have left that in, especially for a 3D movie.
0: I, I, I agree a thousand percent, and and this is like the one thing I'm kind of like whatever, kind of pissed about is Mark Webb on the, um, you got to forgive me because it's either on the documentary or when you have the 3d desk, Mark Webb actually does about a six minute intro to 3d and how they use it in the movie. He talks about that scene. And, and basically what happened was he saw the scene so many times it lost the power. And he admits, cause when they're editing the movie, they were watching on these small monitors. Cause if you watch the behind the scenes, even when they're shooting because they're shooting in true 3D, they, they're they watching the little monitors of the actors with 3D glasses on. So basically, like, and obviously that was a CGI sequence, but whatever he was seeing that scene on in the editing bay, he admits 100% that he was watching on these little editing studio monitors in 3D, and then it lost the effect of him seeing it over and over. He said, he, you know, he saw, like, he says, oh, just last night I saw it in IMAX with the audience, and we cut that scene down for pacing or whatever. He's like, that was a big mistake. He's like, that's the one mistake of the movie. If I could go back, I would put that that scene back in which he does realize that he could go back and put it back in that's what i'm saying it's like dude (laughs) dude there's time in between the theatrical release and and the dvd release like you could have put that back in and and, and that sequence is awesome i love that like that promo
1: i did i loved I'm, i'm with you i love i thought before i'd seen the movie or anything i just saw that i was like okay that's actually pretty damn cool i mean
0: yeah, hundred percent, man. And like, I love that promo. And then when it wasn't in the movie, but it was cut down, it was it was literally about thirty seconds, cut down to about six seconds in the movie with Mark Webb's shitty jump cuts. But um, but yeah, I was just like, I was like, well, okay, obviously that was filmed as a teaser, but it wasn't. They made that for the actual movie. And, and, and to your guys' credit, the way you criticize this movie for cutting so much shit out, they wasted so much money making awesome CGI special effects and cutting it out. But uh, real quick. I know I realize I'm talking a million miles an hour here, but real quick, before that scene, they showed him making the costume. And this was something you guys had a big problem with. You feel like a kid couldn't make this costume, but to their credit, like they never addressed how he made the costume of Raimi's Spider-Man. Hey,
2: I I like this costume more than the Raimi one. So that, Trev, that's all you, man. Yeah, I do too, man. Like, like
0: the first pictures.
1: Well, I think Goat's talking about the actual, showing him make the costume, not so much the costume. I'll talk about the costume a little later when we have, when less is going on on screen, but, uh, in terms of that, what you just said, Goat, and I don't know how you feel, Bird, but I think it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. I mean, either you don't show him make it, and they are like, well, how did he make it? Or you show him make it, and then you're like, well, how did this kid make that? It doesn't make much sense. There's really no good way around that. It's it's silly in both films, really.
0: See, but like, it's so quick, and, I mean, granted, it's like blink if you
1: missed it. That's how, I feel like, that's how I feel about the web shooters, too. Like, Sam Raimi's whole thing was the reason he wanted to change to organic web shooters was he thought it might distract an audience about how did this kid make these things, and like, yeah, they have the scientific know-how in this, but you still are like, well, how did he get these materials? How did he afford all this stuff? So I mean, where I mean, we we know he learned about that uh, bio cable thing from Oscorp, but we don't. We're never told in this film how he gets the materials to make it himself. I mean, so it's just like not. No, Trev, you-
0: Trev there, there's a scene we we glossed over. It there's a scene where he actually has a box of it. He bought it. Like that's a. I guess it's something you can buy. He bought a box of the pellets. And, and, uh, and that oh, was, doesn't
1: have a, I mean he doesn't have a job you see what I'm saying it's just like it's it's one of those things where like he doesn't have a job how is he affording all this stuff I mean you just have to gloss over it at some point
0: uh, he got some life insurance money man when Uncle Ben died come on <laughs> but but no I love that scene because they're, in the original reprint of the origin before he makes the web shooters like he kind of has like a primitive version of the web shooter on a tripod and he shoots it across the room like he's testing it like like how to package the adhesive and the cables and stuff to shoot it accurately and like they actually recreate it like they show the web blown up in his face and shit. I love that they put that in this movie, man. I really love that scene. But yeah, but but getting back to the making of the costume, they showed that the eyes he just popped out of sunglasses. And on the behind the scenes, Mark Webb, uh, it was I think it was Mark Webb, maybe it was somebody else, or maybe it was the co- I think it was the costume chick. She was showing that they try to make it out of like real materials, and like you could see if you see it close up some of the stitching and stuff. But they even, even in the movie they show that he's screen printing the design of the spider on shit. So like, like I bought it a hundred percent that he could make this suit, man. Because like, you get the material. I mean, granted, he had to know how to sew, and maybe a kid like that knows how to sew, maybe don't. But as far because that was a huge, especially with this new suit, it's kind of like rubbery looking, and that was intentional. It's like
1: a basketball. The head looks like a basketball. It it does, and I thought
0: the same thing when I saw like that original entertainment weekly cover or whatever but like i feel like as weird as the suit do, and it does man it looks so weird on the little close-up promos and the the magazine articles but i think they did it right man because i think this uh costume really reads well on screen it looks really good man
2: yeah i i agree with the goat i do like this costume a lot how far are you guys by the way
1: <laughs> we're at uh, Con- connor's and van adder are talking in connor's office
2: we're at... okay, that that's where i am it's just we there was all this stuff happened that we just never talked about so i yeah, didn't know, I know if i was like yeah we didn't weighing... even talk
1: about the the carjacking scene which is another moment where i feel like yeah he's well, just and I... he's just in douchebag overload just in like the terms of his body mannerisms the way he, the way he carries himself the, I way, he interacts, to say the that, way he that, like well, the way he dicks over the the way he dicks with that cop when the cop comes up he's he's pretty prickish in that scene
2: i'm of two mind I, well first of all we do get probably the most spider-man moment in the movie when he he jumps on the guy and yells crotch, that, I mean... That
0: that was horrible, and the jump cut in that scene is horrible, because it looks like they took, like, a five-minute scene and and just put a real awkward jump cut in the middle of it to cut it down by a minute or something. But,
1: um... I I Bert, I think I know what you're talking about, though, in that there was a lot of talk about how the Raimi films kind of forgot that Spider-Man's supposed to be funny. Yeah, and they they tried to bring that back in this film. I mean, the problem is nothing he ever says is funny, really. But I mean, I, I at yeah. least they are attempting to have jokes. I mean, I'm
2: I w- I'm fine with him messing with the the uh, the carjacker guy. Like, no, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's funny,
1: but it goes on a really long time. Yeah,
2: but but yeah, when I don't I don't really get when the cops show up and he starts talking shit to them. See, kind
0: of see, see, like in in that moment. I mean, I totally agree. With, like, I can see your guy's point of view where it's like, man, he's going overboard. He's taunting this cop and shit. Like, who does he think he is, Chev Chelios and Crank or something? Like, come on, take oh, a look man. the cops. I out. wish.
1: What if Chev Chelios was <laughs> Spider Man? That'd be a great film. <laughs> but uh, but no, but but I
0: think it may. You know, you know, your mileage may vary. Whatever. Like, maybe. But I think that ties into that dinner scene later with Dennis Leary. Where, like, obviously, because, like, let's be honest, man. At this point in the story, whatever, cops didn't do shit. They couldn't find Uncle Ben's killer, whatever. I think a kid would be cocky. And I think his relationship with Dennis Leary in the movie kind of, like, starts to bring, like, his you know, I guess for lack of better term, his respect for the cops back just in terms of like, okay, he realizes that he ain't the final word. Like, this is a a bit of vigilantism, whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like that evolves with the way
1: he... Because he really is, like, he has that line... Hey, this, uh, really quickly, this is one of my favorite shots in the film. I thought this was a really cool idea. Where he's kind of creating the mirror image of the army doesn't have. That's neat. I'll give him credit.
0: Well, I'm a dumbass because... I, I watched this movie and I never even got that. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, same here.
1: <laughs> you guys just thought he was admiring his own hand. That's all you
0: I, I just thought maybe that
1: was a shiny piece of glass. I don't know. <laughs> you, if that's the way to beat the lizard is to just wave something shiny in front of his face and distract him like a toddler. Pretty much. Well, here we get
0: into Reese Evans shooting up the shit, the green Osborne, OsCorp shit. To something make some-
1: something. Rise Life is probably very familiar with. <laughs> which, which, which I want to hear. Which
0: I want to hear your guys' take
2: on his casting. Did you like it? How, how did you guys feel? Um, well, I mean, however, you know, the, the when when I heard he was cast, I couldn't see it. But I do. I, I mean, as much as I think the character might be written a little underwritten or written not very well, I do think that I think he's good in the movie.
1: Yeah, I think everyone's it. good in this movie, really. He, I don't have any, I I'm not a big Rise Lyphans fan. Um, oh
2: Trev hates him. I mean I don't really yeah. like him. Trev has a special Yeah,
1: design. I really don't like him very much. But he's I mean he's tolerable in this movie. I think again I'm with Bird that the problems I'd have probably come more from the fact that he's, Connors isn't written very well. But uh, I didn't think his performance was particularly bad or anything. See, I did. Uh, I, do, I don't I do know if you've heard the story go. When I was at Comic-Con and they did the panel for this. He was drunk. Uh, he was drunk on the panel, <laughs> yeah. And then he got arrested afterwards. Oh, he did? I didn't know that part. Yeah, he got arrested for like public intoxication uh, after the panel. Yeah,
0: he is a wild guy. And uh, I have to say I was really excited when he got cast in this. Believe it or not, I am a big fan of his uh going back to one of his very early roles a movie called twin town i know a lot of people haven't seen it because it hasn't been released here domestically on dvd and shit but uh it's just like it's from the producers of train spotting it's just this little revenge tale of him and his brother getting revenge for uh uh his dad getting hurt on a job and shit it's like uh, i want to say it's welsh uh maybe scottish i'm not sure but uh his, his real life brother who has never acted in another movie plays his brother and it's about these twins who are just crazy. They deal drugs and shit and they get revenge on this guy who won't pay his dad's workers comp and shit and it gets really uh, do gray Scott's also and it. it gets really dark and twisted and murder comes into play and shit but it's a great independent movie so being a fan of this guy and like I like it he's always good when he pops up in little roles like in the movie The Informers and shit so I was like I was like this is Mark Webb's influence I thought that you know, not a big studio director. Just wasn't looking for a big name, but just looking for an interesting actor. And I gotta say, man, like I thought he did a great job. It, I mean, this is some silly shit. As an actor, I had to play with his rubber hand and turn into a lizard. Like I thought he did a great job, man. Looks that that
1: does look terrible, though. That hand. That is. weird.
0: Well, it, it's supposed to look like um like a clone hand or what? like it's not supposed yeah. to look. I
1: mean, no, look- uh, go. Just really quickly, though. I, I I mean, not that I want to keep calling back to the other ones, but. If you're going to give a compliment on one director, I feel like, because you're talking about how like, oh, it's Mark Webb. He didn't pick this big megastar to you know be the villain. But I mean, Ramey did pick people like Alfred Molina and Thomas Hayden Church. I mean, he picked Dylan Baker to be his his, his lizard eventually. He wasn't looking for like huge stars either, you know. Well, I, he was, I think he was that's looking a, for the he was looking for the good actors as well.
2: I think that's a compliment you can pay to both Ramey and Webb. You know, they're yeah. they're both guys from the indie world, and they are gonna make. Uh, more inspired casting decisions like that. No, I mean, for whatever
0: problems I had with Sam Raimi as a director and Spider-Man director, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, like he he is good at casting. I mean, I mean he I never, was pushing,
1: he was going to have uh, Malkovich be the Vulture, which would have been awesome, I think.
0: I mean, maybe, maybe, but I feel like by the time they're going to do that movie, and don't get me wrong, I would love to see the Vulture in a movie. He He's also one of the classic villains I love, but I don't know, man. I think Malkovich is just,
2: I think, I think Kingsley would have been better, personally.
0: Well, I just think Malkovich is too old. Like I think they would have had to resort to a lot of green screen fake fighting shit, which they did anyway. Like the part three Spider-Man part three fight between uh, Franco and and McGuire is horrible in the beginning. It just it just it looks like they're running on like a treadmill in front of a green screen. It never looks like they're actually ever fighting. Oh,
2: go! I mean, if either of you guys tried to. Uh... <laughs> Watch uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong in the last like two years. Like the the dinosaur stampede, like looks terrible. Like you, you know
0: what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny, dude? Is I thought that jumped out at me. I thought in the theater
2: that looked terrible. Like it was just was such bad green screening shit. You can yeah, you can totally see they're like on treadmills.
1: Now here we've been talking about the good performances. I wanted you to say my other favorite performance in this movie is Dennis Leary. I think he's fantastic in this. He's mean awesome. I mean. He is. I mean Dennis Leary can play an Irish cop in his sleep, you know, so that's no <laughs> True, thats right. no big surprise, you know, and that's, I don't know how you guys feel about Dennis Leary. I don't think he, I mean, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit as an actor. You never hear people talk about him as much as yeah. I think he should. No, I, well, I mean, I think he, he's, awesome. he's one of
2: those guys that, like, off camera, he's just very dismissive of a lot of his work, you know, he's just, yeah, I did this for the money, whatever. But, yeah, I agree, he, he's... He really... I mean, and he'll deliver in pretty much anything he's in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I remember me and Buddy way back in the day. We got off work from uh, McDonald's and we went to see The Ref at the oh, movies. Oh, I love The Ref. Yeah, and it just was like... Because at that point, Dennis Leary was just a chain-smoking comedian in the Nike commercials and shit. And I was like, it really opened my eyes up to this guy. And he does kind of have like a persona he carries into a lot of roles and shit. But yeah, he's awesome. I, another movie that... I love and he's absolutely great in is this movie Suicide Kings. And it, and he just kind of plays a mob enforcer or whatever, but he, dude, I mean, he really does command the screen when he's playing these roles.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if either you guys watched that show uh, The Job, it only lasted one season, but uh, it's on Netflix, watch instead, I'll throw a quick plug for it. It's just like a cop comedy he did. It was great. It didn't last, and then he went on to obviously do Rescue Me, which was far more successful.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if it was before or after. I kind of remember it, but it it seemed like he did Rescue Me for like 20 years.
1: Yeah, Rescue Me went on for a really long time.
0: So here we had the family dinner scene with the Stacey's and shit. And uh, I don't know, like like we're getting back to um, what I was saying before. It's, again, he's buttonheaded with the cops, the authority figures and shit. And, I mean, granted, I'm not going to say it's the most, like, fleshed out thing in the movie. But I feel like they were trying to do some type of theme of him being a cocky kid and not respecting authority. And then, obviously, you know, the scene at the end with Dennis Leary and shit. I feel like he finally broke out of that mold and, you know, grew up a
2: little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Me and Trevor have some things I think we want to say about that. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, all this talk about Dennis Leary, just to get back to that for a minute, and just how good he is as Captain Stacy, I feel like this, well, I mean, this series, I guess, I I, re- I mean, Captain Stacy is a very important character to Spider-Man. I feel like this series, by killing him at the end, I feel like they just really rushed through the relationship with him and Spider-Man, because, I mean, his whole arc in the comic is that, you know, he, he comes to really like Spider-Man and... Support him and, you know, form a kind of partnership with him. And I mean, that's just kind of rushed through in the last few minutes of this and then he dies and we're not going to see any more of that. And, you know, I mean, I, I really like that character and I like Dennis Leary as that character just seems like a wasted opportunity for more. I I agree with you, Birdman.
0: I feel like, and I'll give them credit because they didn't follow the Tim Burton whatever tripe of having to kill the villain in. So they let the villain live in But I feel like they're like, we got to kill somebody, damn it. So they killed Dennis Leary. And like, honestly, like, I, I felt like we could have felt the emotional weight of the drama if maybe just the movie would have ended with him in like really bad shape in a hospital, like maybe in a coma or something. I mean, I'll agree with you, Bert. They did, they did not have to kill him off, man.
1: It's- it is tough. Cause this is kind of the curse of comic book films. And I'll, I'll, I'll defend both uh, versions of this franchise right now in a, in a way. Cause go, go, and I want to go back to something you said earlier. And I forgot. And I'm glad we brought this up. Cause it reminded me as you were talking about like why they wanted to reboot, they felt like the Raimi series had kind of gone a little too fast and there was not much more they could do. And, I think that's a cop-out. I mean, I think there's still plenty of villains, still more stories to be tell, told. I remember getting really r- frustrated when Toby Maguire, when he was asked about a Spider-Man 4, said, like, oh, I'm just not sure there's any more good stories. And it's like, you realize this comic's been around for, like, 50 years, right? You didn't hit the only three good stories. <laughs> right? But, uh, but um, it is, I mean, that, you know, they rush through a lot, and, and like we just said, this one rushes through the Stacy thing. Part of the problem with these comic book films is that each film has to be a complete story, and these stories that we know played out over years and months, you know, in the in the comics, they just had to contain them into a two-hour movie, and you always end up feeling like, wow, that could have that could have lasted a lot longer, you know.
2: Uh, just to backtrack a a, a a minute, one more time, that that scene on the roof with him and Gwen, uh, that is a really good scene where he's, you know, he shoots his webbing to twirl around stuff like.
1: It is that, those two. That, I mean, that's a good
2: scene. Those two no, are.
1: Yeah, they they light it up. They're great. It's no surprise to me they're a real couple. I mean their their chemistry is is amazing. So I mean they yeah, any right. any any scene they're in together is like really fun and really watchable. But yeah,
2: I mean I I forgot all about that scene where you know they have their first kiss and all that. Like that's a great scene.
0: Which which by the way boys let, let's talk about the dark side of hooking up on a Spider-Man set. <laughs> very, very ironically, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunn's hooked up over the course of the, the original Spider-Man films, and they both become malcontent dickheads, man. By the third movie, they, they, they wouldn't even bother to promote it. They were half ass promoting it, down-talking oh, yeah. the series and shit. Whereas I feel like, like maybe we're just in the honeymoon period or whatever of, uh, you know, Garfield and um, Emma Stone uh you becoming a real life couple they're all still about spider-man excited to go make more spider-man like what are you boys thinking because that is kind of weird that in both franchises the leading people fell in love and then in one case they turned all sour again the franchise do you think that will happen again
1: i don't know about i don't know about emma stone i well i don't think she's going to get much of a chance to if what i assume is going to happen is going to happen in the second one but um I don't I honestly don't think it's going to happen with Garfield. He just seems way too in love with Spider-Man. I mean, it just means so much to him to be playing this part. Mhm. And you know, I have to give Garfield credit cuz I I love that he said something that you guys probably won't agree with, but I love that he said it. I mean, he's he was just talking. I saw some interview with him recently where he said that you know, talk about the sequel and everything, how, the pressure he feels. He said, "Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I am uh, Toby Maguire is Spider-Man. That Toby Toby, it's Toby's part, and I'm just kind of like you know the placeholder now, so even he like looked at it that way, and that's you know maybe that's like fake humbleness, but I don't know. I don't think it is. I think it's like he grew up on these movies, he grew up on the character, and he's really honored to be playing this part. No, and actually, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about that during this scene because this is probably my favorite scene in the movie, and this to me is like the best Spider-Man moment in the film with, with this the, little kid. the kid.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, this is a great scene. This is a, this really is like. Not uh, on the documentary, Trev. I
0: agree with 100% what you said about Garfield because he actually says a couple times in a documentary, and it, and it wasn't fake humbleness. He, he was saying, I'm not Spider Man, I'm not Peter Parker. He said, It's all about the suit, it's all about the character. This is a symbol. And, and like, yeah, like he was saying, I'm not the end all, be all, hot shit, whatever, actor of Spider Man. He was saying, you know, this will go on after me, and I'm honored to be a part of it. So, yeah, I think he is a good dude. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about it. I always had a problem with little stubby ass Tobey Maguire Spider Man. They like Mark Webb talked about on the doc too. Uh, they wanted to get a guy who like lengthwise body wise resembles Spider Man once he was in the suit. And I gotta say that's maybe another reason why I feel like this is more the definitive film version of Spider Man. Is to me in my mind what I'm used to seeing in the comic books. It looks like Spider Man a lot more than what we saw. That, in the I, I mean, I, def-
1: I mean, I agree with you. But that's always risky. Bird I know always kind of gets on my case when I try to. When I tend to dream cast someone based on how they look, and that you shouldn't—that shouldn't be like your end all, like how you cast. But they're lucky in that Garfield looks the part and has the chops, you know. Well, to the credit, and sometimes you do pick performance over. I mean, Hugh Jackman does not look at all like what Wolverine is in the comics, but you know he was good enough in the role that people accepted it.
0: He was too handsome for them not to cast. But uh, but yeah, like like I mean, it, it was, was too
1: available. He was too available after Doug Gray Scott dropped out.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I think Andrew Garfield also, to be honest, I, I do feel like they, they casted him off his performance because around this time he came off, you know, he got a lot of buzz off Social Network, which is also another Sony movie. And you know how studios, once they find an actor that they like and shit, they like to yeah. work and with he'd already done. Oh, um,
1: yeah. He'd already done Let Me Go also, correct? Yeah, though, yeah. yeah. That's I a really, cool you know, I don't know if you guys saw that. but Yeah,
0: I can't remember if it had been released yet, but there was a lot of buzz on it. I know it, he had made it. Yeah, I love that movie too, man. He's great in it i gotta say man like that shit man like like uh i'll let it be known man that was a sad movie man i I think i teared up when i was watching that movie we didn't even
1: we we didn't even have a chance to talk about the big cinematic comeback of c thomas howell
0: oh Oh, that's awesome man dude i've been a c thomas howell fan man i could go on about all his flicks
2: i loved him well it's nice to see him in the movie that's not made by the asylum
0: for one that's true (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Although he kind of does does bring in the asylum level
2: performance,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, dude. yeah. Bird Bert said earlier that every performance was goodness. I think he forgot that C. Thomas Howell was in it. But. Yeah,
0: I grew up in the heyday, man. Uh, C. Thomas Howe's big. Break, I mean, he was in E.T. and shit, but his big breakout role was his Robbie and Red Dawn, one of my favorite films. And then an awesome movie, The Hitcher. With oh yeah, Howard. Oh, and there's. There's another movie I still always watch on cable called I think it's called Grandview USA about some demolition derby shit with him and um, uh, a Jamie Lee Curtis when Jamie Lee Curtis was smoking hot man I mean just a great '80s actor and again Mark Webb having the balls to be like hey this tiny part I'm going to cast it unfortunately C Thomas Howe, man he just uh, he looks old as hell <laughs> he hasn't aged that well and like he did a shitty. Direct a video sequel to The Hitcher, where where uh, Gary, yes, I know, yeah, Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey. I have to say, see Thomas Howell in that movie one of the worst acting performances I've ever seen. Man,
2: that's another thing I've noticed with a lot of these like uh, smaller directors who hit it big. I mean, you look at uh you know Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. They always find ways to put these these kind of washed up '80s actors. <laughs> I mean, like you had a uh, Eric Roberts in The Dark Knight and I mean Tarantino floods his movies with these guys. But I mean
1: I think I think it's kind of cool. You just got to hope. Yeah. I mean I think I'm sure these guys all hope that the right directors grew up watching you, you know, cuz that's what it's about. Well, I
0: got to say man, I am a big fan of that and I think Tarantino does it the best cuz he picks these people out of obscurity and they do awesome performances. And I understand yeah, where sure. yeah, I understand where the directors are coming from. You're like you got this big budget, you know, a lot of things you don't have control over and shit. But when it comes to casting, you're like, What? I can have Eric Roberts for a day. I can have Anthony Michael Hall for a bit. Part you're like, Why not? We got the money. But yeah. I, I, I got to well, say, at, uh,
1: I know you didn't like the film, Goat, but look at uh, the Avengers. They asked Whedon why he cast Harry Dean Stanton in that small role. And he said, I, I had Harry the opportunity De-S- to hang out with Harry Dean Stanton for a day. Why wouldn't I? Why
0: yeah. wouldn't you do it? But I got to say, I mean, not counting Harry Dean Stanton because he, he, he was awesome in his one little one line role. But I got to say, for the most part, man. Or maybe it's... I don't know, man. Like, it doesn't work out because C. Thomas Howe, I love seeing him in this movie, man. But he's not the greatest. And I gotta say the Nolan ones, man. Like, I I love Eric Roberts. He's not the greatest. And the one that broke my heart was... I don't know, man. Anthony Michael Hall is kind of shitty in Dark Knight. But... (laughs) And I don't want him to be, man, because I'm such a huge Anthony Michael Hall fan. I got the poster for Out of Bounds, one of his obscure 80s action movies. I mean, I love... But fuck, man. I don't know, man. It's... I don't know. I'm glad these guys are working, but come on, directors, work with these dudes.
2: Get a good performance out of them. I thought Tom Berenger did alright in uh, Inception.
0: Yeah, he was good, and I I think that just has to do with the fact that he was always kind of a low-key... He was never super, super... I mean, he was a star, but he wasn't super hot, but I don't don't know, man. And maybe it's just because he keeps working. It seems like these dudes who go direct, direct to Videoville for such a long time. And Beringer did do a lot of shitty sniper sequels, but he did a lot of supporting roles, too.
1: Here we see Peter Parker playing with uh, Dr. Who's Sonic Screwdriver there for a moment. Was it? No, it just looked like All it. All
2: right. <laughs> hey, do I, don't watch, think, I, I don't watch Dr. Who, so I don't know what you're talking about. But. I know what
0: he's talking about just because I've seen, I think ThinkGeek. ThinkGeek.com sells that. Like, you can yeah. buy it as a toothbrush or some shit. <laughs>
1: do you guys think that, like... Everybody at school, like from now on, always talks about the day that Peter Parker somehow dented the, uh, the goalpost with the football. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> impressive.
0: Yeah, I totally – sorry, guys. I totally talked over that scene. But I know for a fact you guys always hated that scene. Break it down for people not watching the DVD. Like what happened? He was talking to Emma Stone and just a reflex of uh, the football from the football practice came flying at them. He caught it and went, just a reflex. He threw it and it hit the goalpost and then it like dented the goalpost.
2: Well, I, n- I never so much minded that, and Trev, I gotta call you out on that, actually, because the Raimi movie fucks with that even more during that whole lunchroom thing, where he actually has webbing come out of his his uh, wrist and like mess with people's lunch trays, and then he's punching people through lockers and stuff. Yeah, and
0: no then. shit. Who, who, would people never notice that this guy has freaking super glue jizz coming out of his wrist?
1: you know what i just found out about that lunch tray scene that i don't know this is like kind of a divergence maybe we should have talked about this in the last movie but that uh with the scene where he catches everything on the lunch tray he actually did that there was no like trick to it now granted they said it took like a million takes but eventually yeah. he was able to do that practically
0: yeah i did hear that that is awesome man i mean for especially a guy as worthless as Tobey Maguire to be able to pull that off hey hey hey, come hey. On. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just, I'm just kidding aside from the spider-man films i am actually a Tobey Maguire fan
2: now I you guys should should have gotten there by now but I the 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 lizard rat I get why I get like why it's there but it, it's
1: really yeah, We're geeky. just we're just seeing it now so uh. it is yeah. it's so
0: gory man he's eating the other lab rat and I got to say man like I, I remember just, like I always remembered it when I saw it in the theater that he just saw this like little creature running around. I totally like didn't see it till the other night that he was eating like it's just the bottom half of a rat like a rat's asshole on a tail that all that's left and he's eating. I gotta say, man, like I don't know, like I'm I'm Mister Hardcore R Rated whatever, and I gotta say, like I felt like that was inappropriate, man. I didn't want to see that. I felt
2: well. I mean, the, why? There's not really a need to show that. We already know that Connors is fucking around. I mean, yeah. I mean. If
0: anything, they could have just showed that little nasty rat creature, because it is a foreshadowing of all the lizards that come later, but they could have just showed it in, like, a cage, and he, and Parker could have been, like... You know, because it is one of those moments, and I do like the theme of, of going back to classic, whatever, Spider-Man about science gone awry, but that was just a gory, nasty thing that I don't even think should... To be honest with you, I don't even think should be in a PG-13 movie. All right, now, There's I
2: don't some... like... Oh, go like, ahead, Tra- Did, Okay, I, I, I was... Gonna kind of shift the topic a little bit. I'd saying that I don't like this scene in this whole like he's trying to convince uh, Stacy that the lizard's real, and I'll tell you why. It's because earlier, like we saw Spider-Man, like he just like caught a robber or something in the daylight, and people are taking their taking pictures with their phones and everything. And like the next second, it's on the news. Everyone knows about Spider-Man, and then we just had that scene with the lizard going on a rampage on a. a crowded bridge and like no there's no one knows about it and like he can't even convince someone that it exists like well i don't know that that's just seems like inconsistent writing to me but well
0: well, this is definitely the fright night like whatever scene (laughs) of trying to convince that there's vampires a boy cry wolf but uh at this point dennis leary actually i'm pretty sure he said because i remember watching it he's he actually says like they think it's somebody running around dressed as a lizard like Obviously, he doesn't think it's real, but they, like, from the eyewitness accounts, whatever, they do think that there's, like, a lizard costume person running around,
1: whatever. There's some terrible, like, exposition dialogue in that scene, too, where Dennis Leary's like, Kurt Connors? You mean the same Kurt Connors that my daughter works with at Oscorp? It's almost like they thought you were, like, coming back from, like, a commercial break or something, and they needed to <laughs> like,
0: like, like Like, just because they hadn't shown uh, Emma Stone in a lab coat for an hour, they thought maybe you forgot or something. <laughs>
2: I forgot. I don't, I don't know.
0: But, uh... Th- this scene looked really cool in 3D, by the way. Yeah, it did. Like, like there's a lot of things... That, I mean, it ain't, like, eye-popping out of 3D, 3D, but there's a lot of subtle depth 3D in this whole sewer sequence with the spinning lines and shit. Yeah, it was really good, man. But but I have to say that... I mean, I'm with you, Bird. I don't think that was that police station scene was the best done, I'll be honest with you. But I, I did... When I watched it the other day, I was like, that's cool. I did like the story point that, that Leary at least followed up with it. He just wasn't, like, a you know, an ego driven asshole is like, Oh, whatever. Get this kid out of here. Like he was like, yeah, get this asshole kid out of here, whatever. I don't believe you. But then he turned around and he's like, Hey, I do want to know what's going up with this Dr. Connors guy. I
2: thought that was a fun little thing. Like seeing him play on his phone. I mean, seems like something Spider-Man would do
1: i have to say, man and i like this idea the sonar thing with
0: the webs oh uh, I, I like and this is like i mean the fight scenes everything but i just felt like the spidey behavior the little tricks in this movie were so much better but getting back to what you're saying bird i mean i i hate cell phones and in, in the in like the
2: movies how they're always a plot contrivance and shit yeah they ruin horror movies. <laughs> yeah, they do. They pretty much killed the horror genre. Because <laughs> you always got to have that one scene where someone's like, hey, I don't, I don't got no bars, you know.
0: But, uh, but I got to say, like, later on in the movie where he, he's just standing in the street on a cell phone, like, there's a level of ridiculousness. I love it. It's almost like what we were talking about, Trev, with, like, we wish we could have seen Green Goblin on the telephone and shit. I don't know. There's just something about it. It is cool. And I, mm. will, say, I will say one thing, like, it's very subtle. But I like that uh, getting into the reality or just selling it, whatever. When uh, Garfield has a Spider-Man mask on when he talks, it does sound muffled. I like that they that actually did that and they just didn't do the Bane thing of like just pumping his voice up and making it like, oh, let's make sure the audience understands 100% what they, what they no, they went with the realism of this guy's wearing a mask. And when he talks, it's going to sound a little, you know what I mean?
1: To go back to the phone thing, I think, like, my favorite Spider-Man moments in all these movies are when they have little asides like that. Because those are, like, the what makes Spider-Man such a great character in the comics. And, I mean, there's a, I, there's a moment in Spider-Man 3 where, after he first meets the Sandman, they show him up on the roof and he takes off his boot and he's just pouring the sand out. And he actually says to himself, where did all these guys come from? You know, just, like, those weird little human moments. Uh, I, superhero movies need to remember to include those, you know?
0: I did like that scene, what you're talking about, where he pours the sand on boot. I gotta say, man, like... And on the documentary, they talk about a lot of it, too, was they were trying to recreate actual panels and poses. like they And that's, I mean, again, man, I just feel like the other movies didn't really sell me this comic Spider-Man as much as I want it. And, and, like, just that whole scene of Spider-Man climbing on the webs. And, dude, it's such a great kind of, because I always really thought Spider-Man shit with the Science Gone Awry theme had a little bit of, like, B- 50s, you know, science horror feeling to it, and I think I think Mark Webb nailed it, man. The way that the lizards. Tail slowly comes around, wraps around his neck and shit. There is something very, like, creature like about the Spider Man villains, and I think they nailed it in this movie a lot better than they did in the previous series and shit.
1: I do hate the lizard design in this film, though, and don't, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I also did not like the way the Green Goblin looked, so that's not just me slamming it to slam it. I just think both of them got it wrong. I just can't, I really think he looks like, he looks like one of the Goombas from the Mario Brothers movie in this. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, and, like,
0: I can't defend it because it pretty much was on the documentary. Uh, freaking Avi Arad, who we got to talk about when we get a second. Oh, I, I, Avi Arad really determined the facial look of it. But um, of course he did. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, everybody knows the McFarlane version of uh, lizard, which kind of looks more like a crocodile type head. I like the original one from the original comic books, where it's more just like a a, 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 a lizard man. Yeah, it was like a lizard man with a small head, and he was he like... He does
2: look more along the lines of, like, a killer croc, like the Steve Ditko lizard does.
0: Yeah, and, like, and I like that he had the lab coat and the weird purple pants and shit. I would have loved to have seen that version, but I gotta say, I'm with you, Trev, when I saw the picture, because, you know, we, we all go through this with the superhero movies, we... I don't know why, we always see the, the villain, they try to keep it under wraps, and we always see it on Ain't It Cool News or somewhere when the, the toys leak out at the merchandising expo. So the first time we all saw the Green Goblin was some shit, or not, it's not a Green gollum, a lizard, we, we saw that shitty little toy that they put out, and I was like, this looks like shit. And we see still pictures of it, you're like, this looks like shit. But like, in the movie... Just the way he fights and moves and shit, yeah, the face could be a little cooler looking. But other than the head, man, I was I was fine with it. I was
2: fine with the design. There were stills of him as the lizard with the coat on. So I don't know where. Well, okay,
1: we, now we should talk about that because I'm glad there's a particular scene of that. And we, we blew past it and I forgot to bring it up. Uh, uh, that bridge scene, the, whole, the, the way that bridge scene started was the lizard going to get Van Adder, the, the secondary villain we talked about, and he did not get him. But we're never going to see that character again. He just vanishes from the film. That's one of the huge plot holes in this movie. And that's because the scene that he would later come back in uh, was cut from the film. And that's one of the, the biggest cuts um, because it's a scene that had a lot of info dump about Peter's father and his father genetically modifying him when he was young. And those are the scenes where he was wearing the coat, because he actually ends up killing Van Adder in that scene. And I think as Van Adder's dying, he's, he whispers to Peter, like, don't you know what you really are? And then at some point, they got gun-shy about doing that storyline, so they just cut it out. And now as a result, it's just like, hey, whatever happened to that Van Adder guy? It would have just been easier to remove uh, remove it completely, I think. the um... Well, then there'd be no reason for him to be on the bridge, though. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's they were left in a hard place of like, when they realized, like, whoops, this storyline's not working well, how do you cut it out and still make a coherent film? And they didn't quite conquer that.
0: Can I talk about that scene for a second, man? Because I watched that deleted scene last night. I got to be honest, man. Like, I mean, granted, they, could, they had the money, dude. They could have reshot it. But that scene was so shitty. Basically what happens is in the alternate cut, whatever, like Parker's trying to help uh, Connors. Like he goes to his um, little underground sewer lair. And like he's he's got his mask off and shit, and he's talking to him. He, the Connors, he's like, you know, he's trying to help him out of the situation. The, in a, uh, I get uh, the Van Adder guy who I kept calling the Indian dude. Sorry about that. I just didn't know his name. But uh, Van Adder, he comes in with a just a pistol. He shoots Doc Connor a bunch of times. Who's in like his human form, but I guess because he got the lizard DNA, it doesn't kill him. But he shoots him. You know, Connors falls down, all wounded. And then, and then Spider Man is standing there with his mask off, and he's like, What are you doing? And then, like, Van Adder turns around, maces him with some kind of spray that makes him get sleepy, and then he falls down. And then Van Adder, and I gotta be honest, man, like, I'm usually really 100% good with uh, a lot of people complaining about, oh, this person's accent, this movie. Like, I usually understand, even train spotting, dude, I understand what everybody said. But that Van Adder, dude, like, it wasn't so much his accent, it just the way that dude talked was so mush mouthed. And, like, he kind of, like, leans over uh, Parker and he starts whispering, he's like, oh, what you become, like, even your father would have never guessed, uh, like, he says something like, your father would have never guessed about what you would eventually become and all this. So, I mean, it wasn't like they really wrapped that storyline up anyway. I still feel like they were teasing it for a future sequel or whatever, but, like, yeah, like... I th- like, I 100% think they just cut that, not because they were afraid of the storyline, just that scene sucked, dude. Like, when you watch it on deleted scenes, it's just, it's filmed weird, it looks cheap, it looks shitty, the performance. I think they just realized that Van Ander dude could not fucking act his way out of a wet paper well, can, bag.
1: Can we just quickly get this out of the way, Go? Because I keep on, I'm afraid we're going to forget about it if we don't. I just want you to finally weigh in on, now, whether it got left in the film or not, obviously it was the basis for the storyline at the beginning. How do you feel about the idea that he was always destined to be Spider-Man that this, the spider bite didn't turn him into Spider-Man. It just activated something his father had already done to him. I mean, I know bird and I don't like it. I don't know where you've come down on that, but
0: I mean, honestly, I think it's dog shit. I think it's stupid. Like in terms of, and, and granted, we're kind of speculating on a storyline that was cut. And from what I saw in the lead, scene, I still don't think it was fleshed out to be honest with you. But, um, I mean, destined to become Spider-Man in terms of, like, I would be fine if his father just messed with his genes in terms of kind of playing God type of thing where he just was like, I'm going to give my son the strongest genes that he can and shit. And then maybe the spider bite interacted with that. I would be fine with that. Like, I wouldn't really be, I don't know, like, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I wouldn't be excited about it either. But I mean it just, it just depends, man I can't tell you just because we're talking about a, we're guessing about a storyline that we never got to see, you know what I mean But in, o- overall, I do think it's bullshit. I mean it's not something that excites me. If the movie did the storyline, it did it well, I would not complain, but at the same time it is kind of stupid.
1: Yeah, I don't I mean it, it removes the element of like anybody could be Spider-Man, which I think is kind of the point of the character. It is. What was up with the
2: lizard coming out of the toilet? By the way, how would he do that?
0: By the way, I thought that. Well, because he was in the sewer, bird, so he. he was, like, kind <laughs> of that. that, but, yeah,
1: that's where that's where toilets go, bird. <laughs> but
0: uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like I, I'll be honest with you. If you look at that from an intellectual standpoint. And this, and this is, like, where I really am jumping onto this franchise because I feel like it's going to the bold directions that Raimi did not have the balls to go, making a giant lizard man, going full force with it. That well, is a very— of the
2: lizard for a while. I, I think that—I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's, fair, ra- it's so much Raimi Raimi. not having the balls or— than it is the studio and Avi Arad who we'll get into as you want.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's fair at all to attack Rami for not wanting the lizard. I mean, he was setting it up for at least two films, so he was going to get there. Yeah,
0: but but come on, man. At the same time, Sam Rami, I don't know if it was his decision or what have you, but he went with the nutless wonder decision to uh have green Goblin be a power ranger and shit so i mean I, I like i feel like his movies were too watered down and not comic booky enough and it could have been the time period people just like they were nervous about going that outrageous like, remember or whatever.
2: like i mean especially with spider-man 3 he had a lot of shit forced onto him like he didn't want venom i mean he he right. said like i don't like venom came after my time like i don't get the character <laughs> you know right. and avi Arad was just like no the kids want venom venom sells toys I mean go you said you want to talk about avi Do you want to do that now I let's, mean, let's do it there's right. a lot to say about this guy
0: let's do it right after this fight scene because I gotta say getting back to the toilet coming out of the toilet being silly and like if you look at it like an intellectual picking it apart but if you look at it as a as a crazy outrageous monster movie and move I like it man like I
1: I, this there's was, some pretty there's some pretty wonky CGI in this sequence. I mean, this that's is not, the you think so?
2: cameo though.
0: I thought the, I, I'll be honest. I thought the CGI in this movie. And I mean, granted, it's CGI. You can tell. But I was impressed by the CGI of this movie. I felt like it really stepped it up a notch from the previous, not just the previous Spider-Man movies, but any superhero movie. Uh, I love the the and, and usually I don't like these like CGI
1: induced camera moves and shit. See, like, right here, I feel like this image of, like, the lizard with the webbing wrapped around him just looks really fakey to me. I don't know. And maybe that is because it was one of those, like, CGI camera moments, so you know it's kind of being all built. Like, that might be why it looks a little off to me. But
0: Well, I mean, it's clearly, like, a whole artificial thing because the way the camera's spinning around, you just couldn't film
1: it this way and shit. Yep, oh, there, he didn't break her neck there. that's That came close.
0: Yeah, but it's only like ten feet out. Like he's gonna break your neck like a mofo when he tries to. And, hey, maybe they maybe they were setting that up for the sequel. You don't know, man. But uh, but I love this man. I love getting down to like the. This is the best Stanley cameo. It sure. is, man. And I love the chair about to wipe him out and pull it. Yeah, dude. This. The, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'm I'm tongue tied here. I love this. And when I seen it in theaters and also rewatch it, this whole scene, man. I went from liking this movie to loving the shit out of it, man. Like, they really got the Spider-Man fighting techniques down. I love how, you know, as Peter Parker he gets thrown into that, that wall earlier and he jumps out through the hole as Spider-Man. Like, I just felt like they took the comic bookness like, just up a notch and really just knocked it out of the park on this, man. Like, this whole sequence I thought was awesome.
1: Now, here we go again. Like, every Spider-Man film just can't let him leave that mask on
2: yeah
0: yeah that is shitty and not only that but it's so dumb for him to pull it
2: off at this time point because people could still be in the school they could yeah, see he's him. At his school
0: yeah i mean come
2: on everyone knows him here at least like if he was in the in the middle of the city it's like well you know there might not be a lot of people that know him there like this is where everyone knows him
1: goat earlier you were talking about like how um in this film, Spider-Man feels a little more realistic because, you know, you would be you would be looking for revenge and everything. And I just want to say I remember what I was like at 17, and I feel like if I had these powers but then someone that looked like Emma Stone started showing interest in me, I'd probably give up on being Spider-Man in like a second. I'm pretty sure that would take up all of my time.
0: I got to say, man, uh, we never even really address. I, I, I think a big part of why this movie works for me is I – I mean you could say maybe the storyline the whatever doesn't work between the characters – but just on screen, the actors, Garfield and Stone, man, they're great together. And I gotta say, man, like, seeing her as a blonde and shit, man, like, I was really never... I mean, I liked her as an actress, but, like, everybody's like, oh, Oma Stone's so hot, she's so hot. I never saw her. She just looked like a little young, freckle face girl to me. And I saw her in this movie, I started seeing the attraction that people had to her, man. Like, there is something about her. She's just not one of these young actress bimbos, man. She's got a certain level of intelligence about her. She's, I don't know, like, she's not the hottest girl,
1: but no, did. it's it's about personality with her because you see watching interviews with her and stuff. It's, she's got that Jennifer Lawrence thing going on where she's actually funny in real life and... Yes. all you know, like plays, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's, like, she's attractive. She's not hot. She's attractive, and a lot of that has to do with this is somebody that you would like to know, be friends with, date, whatever. I mean, she, she's definitely very likable. Uh, and I have to say, man, like, a lot of young actresses I just f- find come off as airhead bimbos, but she, she's really great. It's, she has a lot of screen presence coming off as believable, credible, you know, not just a, a piece of eye candy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh now that we gave Emma Stone her props and we're kind of in some drudgery of some going through some sewer bullshit. Uh l- l- real quick, man, we got to hit it up. Avia Rat, let's 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 talk about this ass clown.
2: <laughs> uh he's the man who's been uh well, misdirecting the Spider-Man franchise since it started pretty much. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't. I can't really remember the point in time he came into the play, but he's had
0: his hands in Marvel for a while, man, a long time. Oh yeah, and it, it, it just seems like this guy has no clue. And I think he's produced some other movies and shit too, but I don't know, man. Like I saw him in the documentary. This guy, yeah, I swear, man, this documentary shows Avia right a lot. You think this guy would be a clown, dude? I mean, you think he would be homeless or something like? Every piece of clothing this man owns is just, like, crew merchandise, like, from from, from a, from a, like, the interview him, he's wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt that has, like, a picture of Venom on it. He's got a Spider-Man 3 hat. He keeps holding his hands up to the camera like he wants to show you this shit. Uh, on his right hand, he had, on his ring finger, he had an X ring, just like X, I guess for X-Men. On his left (laughs) hand, he had a Punisher skull ring. I'm like, are you 12 years old, dude, or what? (laughs) I mean, and and the shit he was wearing looked well-worn, too. It's just like, what kind of clowns, like, okay, they're gonna interview me for the documentary for the Spider-Man film, shit, like... Does he just raid his closet of all the Marvel-related shit he has? Or, or is that just what he wears every day? I mean, it just was so ridiculous, man. Like, everybody else they were showing look like smart people. The directors, the writers, the editor. Like, they should interview a lot of people. And this guy comes on, man. You're like, who would let this guy anywhere near a film set, let alone let him produce, like, 100, 300 million dollar films, man? Like, this... Yeah. I, and, and like you guys say, like, he, he screws up producing with his weird ideas and shit. And... I think just you see the guy talk for about 20 seconds and you can realize where all the shittiness of the Marvel universe comes from.
2: Yeah, like uh, he um, was pretty much in charge of Marvel Entertainment up until I think 2007 or 2008. So if you look at all the Marvel based films of that time time and before like that's where you'll see like all like your daredevils and your ghost riders and like the good ones that we got like you know the blades or the x-men's you know that was because we had like someone like Brian Singer or Guillermo del Toro or someone who actually like knew what they were kind of doing but yeah avia rod he he kind of just bullied these directors around you know i mean even sam raimi couldn't really catch a break from him and
0: yeah and i gotta say man especially with these spider-man movies it's like a weird chain of command there was a lady named uh i want to mess up her name i want to say it's like laura ziskin or something she actually passed away but she's interviewed on the documentary and she was a big part of producing the early the sam raimi films as
1: well as this film yeah wasn't she the one that actually eventually decided to like kind of let raimi or take him out of the picture
0: Pretty much, like, she was the one, you got the feeling from the doc, she was the one who was saying, like, we we blew through the shit, we rushed it, we need to start over, and then like, so it's weird, man, because, like, you got her, and to be honest, like, I I mean, I don't really know too much about her and her decision-making process, but it seemed like there was a lot of, like, really powerful people who probably not only outranked Sam Rainey, but also Mark Webb, but, uh like we were certain so you got her you got avia rod and then i think kevin feige has to come somewhere in this because feige is really with the marvel studios that make the avengers movies and iron man and shit but but he actually had a small credit on the on the raimi spider-man first film and then he's got like a big producer credit on this so i don't know how much power they let him have But I got to think that at this point in time, just his contribution is helping a little bit. Because, I mean, there's a lot of shit he does that I don't like in relation to the Iron Man and Avengers franchises. But I I think he had to talk some sense into Aviarat or at least run interference to keep him off the set from eating up all the
2: donuts at craft services (laughs) and then (laughs) forcing shit down Mark Webb's throat. Uh, Well, and another thing about Aviarat is like, I mean, yeah, and I mean, you can tell just by, you know, the way he dresses you know i mean he's all about the merchandising and you know i mean he he said he wanted venom in spider-man 3 because that's what's popular and he said he was concerned about selling toys and i mean you look at like all the villains in the in the new spider-man movie coming out like i can't help but feel like that's aviarad saying like hey guys you know villains sell toys and that's what we're here for like yeah. yeah
1: and again you don't you never know the truth behind all this but i i think both of you guys have probably heard the same thing i heard that like One of the main reasons they were unhappy with Raimi's pitch for Spider-Man 4 was that Avi Rod said the Vulture won't sell toys since he's an old man. You know, like kids won't want to play with the toy of an old man.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Avi Rod, man, I mean, this guy, he clearly lives in a toy aisle at Toys R Us. I mean, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the darkest, it was a time period where I walked the fuck away was... When Marvel either merged or bought or got bought by the shitty company Toy Biz, who made the shittiest toys oh, yeah. ever, and like basically the idea was we're going to merge with this toy company, and then they're going to make all our toys, and they made the shittiest blocky plastic toys, like nothing. And, and thankfully, McFarlane Toys came around to put toy, you know, toy companies the shittiest toy biz out of business. But like, yeah, man, like and I'm pretty sure Avi Arad was around during that time period or brokered. Avi Arad
2: actually co ran Toy Biz. Okay. Also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is, cl- clearly, man, this guy' uh, intentions, what yeah. have you, or
2: and I mean, uh, you know, with Mar- Marvel getting a lot of the properties back, uh, you know, it's just it's un like when he left Marvel, he went straight to Sony, and it's just unfortunate that they they have Spider Man still. I mean, when so you still got this guy dicking around over there. Yeah, I have to think, you know, and I don't
0: think it will ever happen until the Spider Man franchise crashes and burns and whatever It'd probably be like 20 years but like yeah like aviarad going to be around unfortunately it, it, sorry if you're not following along the dvd hopefully you're still enjoying the, the conversation and shit but basically we just went through the last 20 minutes we're really getting into the lizards plan he's going to release this gas up into the atmosphere he did a little test run on some swat guys turned him into some worthless little weak lizards and, and he, when they
1: introduced that like weather machine earlier in the movie and talked about how it been, hadn't been turned on for for a long time, did you think it was going to come back? Yes. Oh. Okay. Honestly, honestly not really, because like I. Even, oh, come on, Goat. How many movies have you watched in your life? Come on. It, it was so, it was
0: so shitty, man. Like they they talked about it for like two seconds and just walked away. Like even Doc Connors, like act like he didn't even give a shit about it. But, uh, but yeah, basically where we're at is it comes down to the, uh, Gwen Stacy's hiding in a closet at Oscorp. Lizards returning to the, to the Oscorp labs to shoot his shit up into the sky to turn everybody in New York City into a lizard. And then of course Spider-Man, he, he, he wants to get there to stop this from happening. But of course, like all modern superhero movies, the, the authorities, the cops whoever it is they're always against the hero they want to let the 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 lizard man do his shit they don't want to chase him but they always want to go after the bad guy and that's kind of what happens here spider-man gets into a scrape with the cops some dumbass cop shoots him in the leg and he's so you know he's so far away from the place he's having trouble getting there so what's going to happen here triv what's the amazing plot point that's going to get spider-man to the oscorp building
1: uh, well, before we get to that, let's just also quickly remind that we had the moment where uh, the lizard turned that entire SWAT team into a bunch of lizards. And then, of course, we had that thrilling 15-minute fight scene where Spider-Man fought all those—oh, no, wait, that wasn't there. They just kind of vanished from the film. So let's forget about that. Um, Why but... did they leave that in
2: there? Because they even made toys of, like, lizard SWAT people. And yeah, if, it's, it's weird. Like I if don't. If they were going to cut that sequence out, they would have cut out the scene where he turned them to begin with.
0: I mean, to be honest with you, I'm glad they, like, cut out that scene because, I, I don't know, like, I want to see him fight the lizard. I don't want to see him fight generic lizard
2: guys. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, but, like, why keep the scene where he turned them into lizards if you're not going to, like, have the actual sequence?
0: Well, That's well. The thing is, is I think they had to set up what he was going to do to New York City, if you know what I mean. Because, like, he, but, po- he pops a little gas grenades on them. So, like, I think they just were established. And granted, it's clumsy because it's half of a scene that was cut.
1: But, but I- also, why is his plan to turn the whole city into lizards? I mean, does that make any sense?
0: I mean, it makes about as much sense as Magneto wanting to turn the whole world into mutants in the first yeah, we well, no, that
1: that <laughs> that, no, 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 I, I'll argue with you that, because the whole thing is people are people are prejudiced against mutants and are treating them like a lower class, so that he's trying to show them, he's trying to turn them into mutants to be like, well, now you are what you hate. But it's not like everyone in New York is like, goddamn lizards, I mean, so it's just, it's not... Comparable at all, I don't think. No,
0: but, I mean, granted, it's not the main focus of the movie or nothing, but I think 100% what it was, is just going back to the mad scientist thing, and, like, they don't go as far as they did with Defoe, the Green Goblin, and the other Spider-Man films, but it's definitely a mad scientist thing. It's the lizard side of Doc Connors that's controlling him, like, wanting to mutate and turn everything into like like basically it's just a power move i think you know not doc connor's but the lizard that takes him over i think he just wants to build an army build a whatever you know what i mean because it's kind of like once you take over a city the size of like new york turn everybody in a lizard like you're pretty much going to have the power i think to take over the rest of the world and shit so i mean it is very arch comic booky whatever but i think he really does just like want to fucking take over basically
1: now, here we go. This is the scene you're talking
2: about. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a Spider-Man movie if we didn't have the obligatory city of New York help Spider-Man do something he could yeah. probably could have done anyway. So. And not just the
0: city of New York, but see Thomas Howe with this shitty acting. Hey, you know Matthews who runs that crane down on 6th Street? Come on, call him up. We're going to help Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the blue-collar workers are the real heroes of the day here.
0: I got to say also, too, guys uh i really blasted sony image works whatever they're called for their work on the other spider-man movies it's you know bringing the 3d like this whole this whole scene and i couldn't believe it because it, it looks real man well not this little insert shot on the street but all the shit from like looking down to the city this whole city was cgi guys and if you look at the cars and granted it's swinging by super fast but you look at the cars Everything looks photorealistic. That's what I'm saying, man. I think this is some of the best CGI I've ever seen in a movie. And I rag CGI and I hate CGI, but I really thought when I saw this that they filmed kind of like plates, backgrounds of real New York City, and then just put like a CGI Spider-Man into it. But no, nah, man, this is all 100% CGI. And I got. Let me
1: think. ask you guys a question. Amazing. That uh, ask you guys a question that I've never really thought about until just this moment. Um, but. One of, my, I, one of the things I used to make fun of about this film is, like I said, they kind of like Batmaned up uh, Spider-Man, even to the degree that it seems like he's only ever Spider-Man at night. But going off of what you just said, Goat, do you think a part of that was because the CGI of Spider-Man is, is it's just easier to like, it look better in the dark than it isn't like all the Spider-Man scenes in the Raimi films are in the daylight and it's bright and it's kind of harder to hide, you know, the CGI a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, a hundred percent, especially with the sequence in particular, because they did have him fight the lizard in the school in the day and stuff. But, uh, Yeah, because, like, I I was blown away, man, when I saw that this was CGI. But at the same time, if you did it daylight... Because, like, the way the shots is at night, you can still have dark areas where you don't quite see everything. I think it would have been twice as much expensive. It would have looked more fake to do it all brightly lit daylight. It would have showed the flaws of it being CGI. But I'm still amazed by it. And I gotta say, man... Like aside from the little bit where Spider-Man landed on that like pallet of wood that was a real actor doing that the rest of that was all CGI there's something about the look of this and it's all created in a computer the 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 CGI cinematography if you will i thought this whole in sequence man the you know, the nighttime like i honestly man i thought it looked great like just just as a stylistic filmmaking whatever i thought it looked good on a comic booky like the action here is awesome but like i really like the look of this both in 3D and in 2D, I think it lays like a really bold color, uh, uh, color. Uh, I can't talk color palette that really sells the comic bookness. Even though it is dark and it is shadowy, it still has a, like a pop to it, and it's it's an artificial CGI created pop to it. But I think this looks great, man. You
1: can even hide. Uh, um, you can even hide how dumb the design of the Spider-Man costume is better in the dark in this one. So
0: hey, 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 come on now. But no, but uh, this fight scene, the way he flips off the building and gets back on the building and shit, I thought this was all great, and I was surprised when I saw the behind the scenes that, like, I just thought this was a CGI spider, like this right here, where he's getting grabbed by Lizard, that's actually a real actor held up by wires, and then they CGI the Lizard, of course, but I gotta say, man, like, the way they, I think this is the uh, the way filmmaking should be done, like, as much of the elements you can put in practically and then augment with the CGI is what they should do, like... You know movies are just getting so shitty where it all looks CGI, you know like Man of Steel, it just becomes a CGI Superman fighting a CGI villain. I like how much realism like they you know practical effects they try to blend in with the CGI in this movie. Be-do, be-do, be-do. Uh, but, but, but no, I I, I want to know what you got. I mean, this gets like a little like goofy whatever here when Leary pops up. But that whole fight sequence, that lizard and Spidey head on the rooftop and shit. Like, I got to say, I think that's some of the best action in any. Uh, oh, and uh, what's his name? Garfield. He really did that jump and a flip on the behind the scenes. He runs up to like a like a little wall they built and he, he totally flipped around and shit. I thought that was CJ. No, he did it for real. But
2: uh, what did you guys think of this action scene? Man, I, I have to admit, I thought it was awesome. Like, I really. I mean, didn't I, like it. I'm not with you in saying like, oh, it's like one of the best. But I mean, I, I I always gave this movie credit for the action scenes. I mean, I don't know if Trev's with me on that, but I mean, even after the movie, I said, you know, it was problems I have with like, you know, the writing or the characterization or whatever. The action scenes, I I thought, I think they're good.
1: Yeah, they're fine. They're they're to me they're serviceable. There's some that are more exciting than others, but I I don't have a problem with this whole last. Fight scene. I mean, you were talking earlier about the tone of the film, uh, Goat, and I just feel like my complaint always was that I felt like this film doesn't have a tone. Like it just, like for the most part, it's, it's kind of whatever you might think about the Raimi films, and I could see why you wouldn't like the style he was going for. But those just feel so much different than every other superhero film, and this one just kind of feels like the same to me as so many other like movies I'd seen at the, at the time.
2: Yeah, Goat, um, I, I do feel like this should rank a little high on your Nolan scale. See,
0: I I don't know, man. Like I don't I don't get it at all. Just because a, a big part... Like, I don't just run by the Nolan, like, handbook and say, okay, it has this, 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 and now it's a Nolan movie, it sucks. What I don't like about the Nolan influence is how joyless the movies are. How, like, they take the... They basically always strip the the powers from the hero and they always make him get his ass beat all the time. Like, I feel like Spidey has a good level of ability to fight and not just constantly get his ass whipped. He really is doing some heroic shit here. So on the action scale, I don't... I don't think it's too much like the Nolan. It is a darker story, but I mean, shit, man, it's a dark story. His parents die, his uncle Ben dies, but there's still some humor in it. There's still some lighthearted moments. And I and I'll be honest, I don't like there's n- none of the comedy really hits for me in this movie. I think it's all kind of forced summer blockbuster comedy, but at least something's in there, man. Like it ain't just that completely boring, joyless what joyless uh Nolan Like, Fia, what I hate about the Nolan shit is how the movie is one note throughout. It's just that serious, fake dark, fake brooding, fake... And it never breaks from it. You never get a break from it. So, to me, I I understand what you guys are saying, because this is technically kind of the darkest Spider-Man movie we got yet. But I still think it's not, like, going to the Nolan cliche level at all. Well, I
2: am I see what you're saying, but I, where I'll disagree is that I, I do think that uh, the Nolan uh, movies do have moments of humor and brevity. I mean, uh, the Joker is funny. He's scary, and it's very dark humor, but he is funny. And, um, like, uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know, I mean, we can complain about, you know, uh... uh Kind of a, a subpar plotting, but yeah. um, that that movie especially made sure to put a little more humor, especially into Bruce. Um, and I, I feel like this movie probably has about as much as, as, as that does, in a way. I mean, aside from, you know, the Spider-Man quips, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel like this movie is fairly humorless. I mean, I, I see that it's there, but I, I don't feel like it's much more humor than any Nolan movie, even though it's a sillier movie in in and of itself.
0: I mean, I don't know. Like, like I feel like... I feel, I feel like this movie, the humor is forced just to, you know, make a crowd pop in a theater and shit. But I don't know. Like, maybe it's just the, the nature of the character is way different than, like, the Nolan ones or, like, the way... But I mean... I mean don't get me wrong I understand from a studio standpoint they wanted to get in on some Dark Knight grosses and shit but I don't know Like, I think this movie sets itself apart with it's themes of, which to be fair it's not Mark Webb's themes it's the Spider-Man themes with the science gone awry the fantastical elements that you would never get in a Nolan really movie so I mean I, I think they take a little bit of it of the current climate of what people want in superhero movies but they still do their own thing but uh, I, I want to hear what you guys... Did you buy this, like, end scene with him and Dennis Leary? Because I got to say, like, you guys are saying, like, you didn't really get the, the character and shit, but I, I thought Garfield did a great job here, and I think you Oh, are. hey,
1: this is, this is fine. Come back to me in about uh, four or five minutes, and we'll talk about
0: <laughs> okay. it. Okay. So. But, uh, but, no, like, I feel like this is the lesson learned right here. You, know. you, would,
1: you would think, right? But...
0: Well... I don't know. We'll, I know exactly what you're talking about, Trev, but we'll, we'll get to it. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, like uh, if you're not following the DVD, the big uh, battle, the lizard wrapped up. The lizard got turned back to human. Not only did it get turned back to human, but he helped pull Peter Parker off the side of the building and shit. So, you know, obviously there is still good in Doc Connors. But unfortunately, as a lizard, he stabbed Dennis Leary in, in the now, stomach. You guys,
1: I know both you guys have that mentality of you you complain that the the raimi films always made the villains like sympathetic and made them like kind of you know good guys at heart but this this film does the exact same thing to the point where he even saves saves spider-man at the end you know
2: that's the lizard though i mean that is kurt connor yeah i mean i mean i appreciate raimi trying to give doc ock more depth but he didn't need to lay it on as thick as he did i mean I, you know, I wish you guys did Spider-Man 2, because that's when I would have weighed in and probably took goat side on. But you
0: know. I mean, let's definitely give the the listeners, if we have any listeners here, uh, you know, this being a new pod and all, but uh, let's do it down the line, man, because, I mean, Spider-Man 2 is the one that everybody holds as a gold standard, and I I mean, I don't hate it, but I still don't like it very much. I'm down to do it if you, if you want to get into it later on, bird.
2: Yeah, maybe later on. I mean, I I, I think after these two, we're all Spider manned out for the moment. But yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it, you guys, you guys, read this scene as saying that she knows he's Spider Man now. I mean, because if she doesn't, what the hell does she think is going on?
0: No, I, honestly, I, I I didn't think that. You know? I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's like whatever. I just felt like this scene was about them finally like coming to terms with everything that's happened with Uncle Ben dying and shit. Because there was like like he it seemed like he was closer to ben anyway and uh you know aunt may she tried not to be but she was always kind of the naggy mother type but this scene like they're really coming together bonding and i'll agree with, I, i'll agree with you trev i know you said like sally field didn't have much to do and that yeah. that is the one relationship that's kind of like whatever i was
1: just gonna, I, I really hope she gets more to in the sequels because i mean that's a, this film is a waste of sally field i mean i'm glad they, they really let martin sheen have a fully fledged character but they kind of forgot about her and i was really excited about her casting and then it just kind of didn't really matter in the end but
2: yeah
0: speaking of which you know how there's like the running not not a joke but how he finally brings the eggs home there's like a deleted scene where like i don't know where they were going with the storyline but he brings the eggs home and aunt may or he puts it in the in the fridge and there's like literally 20 cartons of eggs in there so i don't know where the hell they were going with that (laughs) All right, Trev, do your thing, man. Because this is the part of the movie where you really, you know, with the promise and all this, I feel like this is what you've been saving up for, man. Do your thing, De- demolish. Well, I mean, the thing. this is
1: it. I mean, this. I mean, I've, you've already heard a lot of my other problems with the film, and it's all been building to this and like, whatever else you think about the film, I think this, the final moment of this film, it is just such a spit in the face of the Spider-Man character and, and what, and even the themes that this movie is trying to, to say, I mean, I think it's, it doesn't even understand itself at this point. Cause like you said, it is trying to make this point of like, he's supposed to have learned the idea of responsibility and that he has this power and what responsibility means and, He's not supposed to be this dick that he was at the beginning of the movie and then the movie ends with him deciding that he's going to break a promise that he made to a dying man. I mean that's just ridiculous to me. It's it's a complete disregard for what Peter Parker has always been.
2: It's a character and we betrayal. I talked I'm, about the, I'm... End of the
1: the end of the Raimi film was perfect in that he he sacrificed his own happiness. He could have been he realized he could have been with Mary Jane, but he decides not to be because he want he has to protect her and it's it's not safe. And in this film it's just like Oh, I made a promise to not be with her because it's dangerous. But yeah, so I want to get laid, so whatever.
2: Well, um, I gotta say, man, and like, in this one, sorry to interrupt you, Goat, but no, just go one ahead. thing to add, just one thing to add onto that. And in in, it, in this one, I mean, at the end of the last one, Goat, you said, well, you know, I get what they're doing, but you know, he it makes it silly of him to do this because you said, you know, he he doesn't know that there's more villains out there. But in this it makes even less sense because he he's not only breaking the promise, but he knows the lizard is still out there and he knows that the lizard no has tried to kill her before, you know? Well,
0: the lizard's in jail or whatever, but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I'll agree with you. Like, like I felt like this movie needed like a little point to like how they kind of did at the end of Batman begins of like, Hey, this new guy's showing up. Like they needed to show that like more shit was breaking out or whatever. And Spider-Man was needed. Cause to be honest with you, like, yeah, I, I kind of have the same problem with this ending as that previous one. Where it's like, you don't even really know, like, if he should or want to still become Spider-Man anymore or whatever. But uh, but I, one thing I want to point out is when I watched it in theaters and I watched it at home the other day, just as, like, you feel like, as a viewer, like, I feel like this always feels like this is the end scene of the movie. And I would be perfectly fine if this was the end scene of the movie. But... Um,
1: it should be, and then it, it would end. Been, I mean, it, it would have kind of the same feeling as the way the Raimi film ended, which I think is more appropriate.
0: And, and, and then, and then when it just goes back to the high school, and he goes in and he winks at her like you say, Trev, or whatever he does, just showing, hey, I'm gonna. He tells her, I'm gonna break the promise, <laughs> like besides going against everything that just went before or whatever like it just feels like tacked on like you know what i mean like it feels like this is the end of the movie right here like it's really like i would have loved if he if the movie would end it with him because uh he goes and he listens to the voicemail of what uncle ben said on his phone uncle ben leaves him like a real and i gotta say man like i mean i wasn't gonna cry or nothing but like the relationship with uncle ben like i I was touched a little bit and i felt like this is how the movie should have ended it with with him, you know, looking at all these pictures and listening to Uncle Ben's voice on the voicemail and shit. Like I this would have been a great ending to the movie right here. And now see
1: the fact that he still has that wanted uh that wanted sign up and then you see him like this, that's why I always assume that the film is saying he's still looking for him at the end. But maybe I'm just reading that wrong.
0: No, no. I I mean I agree. Like I like I think at this point he probably there has to be some realization that he'll probably never find that dude, but but it definitely, yeah. I mean, I think the quest is still on. That's some pretty accurate graffiti, by the way. It's pretty awesome, yeah. But uh, and, and like, if you look at how big the ladders are, how do the people reach up even higher than the ladders? That <laughs> was probably like bowl doing the graffiti. See, that would have been great, right there, man. With, with with him, like like you could have done the scene of him looking at the pictures, listening to voicemail,
1: and then he sees that. Oh, thing this moment, what the hell is going on with Flash here? So now Flash it's just like, is his buddy, yeah. yeah what, where the hell did that come from? Again, I don't know if I, you watched all the deleted scenes, I don't know where this came from, but it's just, it, it comes out of nowhere, and basically what the film is saying is just be a dick to bullies, and eventually they'll start liking you and come around, and they'll be your friends. You well, know?
0: well, at the same time, as much as an asshole as Flash is, Flash did, like, that time when he grabbed Flash, threw him on the lockers, Flash did try to say he was sorry for his Uncle Ben. Like, it was kind of like, I'm not saying Flash had a character turnaround, but at least towards Peter,
1: he was kind of like I get, I, it's getting we're a break. About- it's, like, shortcutting, and we we talked about it before. I don't want you to defend it too much, Goat. It is that I think they're like, oh, in the comics, him and Flash eventually become friends. Let's just get to it now. But they could have saved it, especially if they're going to keep them in high school in the sequels. They could have built that relationship more.
0: I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, it's not the best thing. I'm just saying I think that's what they were trying to do with it. You know what I mean? Trying to show that they are cool. And, and here's here's Trev's favorite scene in the movie no. where he goes. <laughs> but But getting back to it, like, I'm with you Trev when I first saw it I was like why did they waste this time of doing this scene saying he's gonna keep the promise and he's like I'm gonna break the promise but and I don't think it was the best writing or whatever but like I think something I think he changed his mind at the end of that scene when Aunt May came up and was like cause 'cause he's like I'm no good for her and all this shit and, and Aunt May's all like oh you're good enough for anybody Peter and all that shit like, I don't know, man. Like, I think they – I'm not saying it's successful or what have you, but I just think that they were trying to show that, like, oh, he was reconsidering or he would, like, you know. I
1: mean, I don't think – I just think for however whatever the faults are of the other films, I think the Raimi films played that better to where – he decided to stay away from her, and she really had to like push it on him. Like, look, I know what I'm getting into. I'll be safe with you, and then you can kind of buy it more. But in this, it does seem like just because it just happens so quick in the film. I mean, they do give May that little speech, but it just seems kind of callous of him and shallow. They just, he just instantly decides to break it.
2: I just feel like if he actually learned anything about responsibility, which is like the theme of Spider-Man, I feel like if he actually learned that, he wouldn't have done that.
1: Oh, this all. that this right here, this looks badass. I'll give you that. That's it is probably, cool yeah like they kind
0: of ape the ramey just showing a pointless web singing scene at the end to kind of get you out of the theater on a high note and shit after all that mishmash story that we've been bitching about for the last 20 minutes <laughs> they try to get you out on a high note and shit but like yeah i mean travel like i'm not defending any of that like i'm gonna keep a promise no i'm breaking it no like I mean, it is what it is, dude. It's 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 not the greatest, and especially just the way they chose to do it. And like we talked about, maybe because storylines were being cut out and re-edited or what have you with this movie. But, I mean, it's just not the deal breaker. I don't think they totally assassinated the Spider-Man character the way kind of you do. You feel like they totally missed the point. I think they did their own version of it, and they definitely changed a lot of shit. Well, I,
1: wonder, I think a lot of it is a holdover from uh, – I mean, it's it's no secret that like when they were first developing this film, I think they had – like Twilight in mind to try and get that kind of those Twilight books, you know, and I, and to their credit, I think they ended up dropping that from their mindset a little bit, but there's still holdovers from it in there. I think that's why even Mark Webb was probably brought on. So I think they just felt like they wanted to really end on a more romantic up note because that's kind of the audience they were trying to get this time.
0: Hey, have, uh, have you guys ever seen Twilight though? Specifically seen, their I've first all movie. Okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I mean, granted, like from a business standpoint, I feel like, you know, some dumb guy like Avi or Rad was probably running around the office going, oh, let's just make uh, Twilight with Spider-Man. Like, I'm sure that was going on behind the scenes. But I really don't think like Mark Webb or the screenwriter Vanderbilt really tried to do that at all because the relationship between Edward and Bella and Twilight is like so it takes so much longer to get going. Like, it's the complete opposite of what the relationship was in this movie.
1: Now we're here we have this scene which I don't know like the the scene Does anyone know of, like, what this means? This scene no. that's coming up. That's the thing is the, the 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 credit scenes in the other Marvel films if you're at least if you're a nerd you always kind of get excited and you know what they mean and this one in the theater I just felt like a big sense of like huh? Like no one really kind of got it, you know.
0: I, like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it does feel like something they shot at last minute or something. But, but basically, for, for people at home, if you don't have the DVD, and also because, like, when I saw this movie, man, a lot of people already left the theater there. I don't think a lot of people seen this scene. It's basically uh, Doc Connors in jail, and next thing you know, like, in the cell with them is um, what we assume to be is to be uh, Norman Osborne Because they set up in this movie, he's dying of some disease, but they don't really get into it and shit. But basically, he's there, and uh, he basically says, like, he basically makes some kind of threat towards Peter Parker, and then uh, Doc Connors is like, "Leave that boy alone," and all that shit. Like, and then uh, again, going with the storyline that was dropped, and seems to be picking up with a sequel again. Uh, Osborn says something about like, "Oh, you know, his fa- what his father did to him and shit." So we're still on this.
1: Weird- yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird scene to watch when you you know the history of the film, because you kind of get all the way there to the end, and then you kind of, in your head, you're thinking like, oh, okay, I guess they did just decide to drop that storyline, and then suddenly it just comes back abruptly.
0: Exactly, man, and um, again, and I- I- I'm not defending it, I don't, like, it's not one of the elements that makes me like the movie, but they're still teasing the storyline, cock-teasing us with this storyline of, like, his dad did something to him, it's like... If they do, like, I would be fine if they didn't go back to it, but if they do go back to it, like, I want to see them do it, like, with a good flashback, with, like, uh, Campbell Scott as the dad and shit. Like, if you're going to do it, let's do it for real this time, guys. Don't And now, don't go, I, don't know
1: how, I don't know how much you know about this, because you watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it sounds like you read up on it a little bit, but uh, I know I was reading, um, I think it was Farachi, like, Bird, you're going to have to calm down for a second, but... Yeah. He was speculating on, like, what kind of things were changed when they kind of, you know, went in with the scissors on this movie and changed a lot in the post and before it came out. And he was talking about how, like, there's just the only reference to the fact that his parents are dead is one newspaper that shows they died in a plane crash. But no one in the film ever specifically speaks the fact that they're dead. And there's even a moment where Peter says something about how, like, oh, I wish my father had been more responsible. And Faraji said, that's a strange thing to say about someone who died in a plane crash. That sounds more like you're saying it if you just feel abandoned. So he was wondering if in the original cut that it's never even stated that they died. It's just that they disappeared, like they left. And so they were going to come back later. I don't know if you know about that. Or I
0: mean, it's not really like, not like, like it's not really cleared out or whatever, but the comic had a real bad history of like way later on, uh, they went back and showed his parents weren't really dead and all this shit but at the same time the plane crash doesn't add up just because i mean he was i mean he was a young boy but he remembered that his parents left him there and shit so i mean at the very least at least maybe he could be referencing that like hey they just ran off without me but, i mean but i mean I, come on dude they didn't die in a plane crash just because somebody was after them you know what i mean like so I de- it definitely does hint to some conspiracy in the sequels. No, I, just,
1: I just I just wonder if their original plan of the sequels was to, was a, to eventually actually reveal that they're still alive. It could
0: be. I mean, like, like especially because we're... Man, what's going on? Is somebody getting attacked by a burglar or something? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, but no Trevor, uh, I, I think it is going somewhere down that road just for the simple fact that this movie is... It's kind of a hybrid of the traditional Spider-Man mythos, as well as the ultimate and the rewritten and the whatever. So, I mean, I, th- I think there's a real good chance either his parents are going to pop back up, or it's going to reveal that they died in a, in, in, like, not in a plane crash, if you know what I mean. Like Norman yeah. Osborn and the way they're hinting around Norman Osborn has something to do with their death for sure, man. Like, oh
1: yeah, and let's not. Okay. Uh, My last final thought that I want to get off, because I forgot to say it earlier, is, I just want to, one last attack on something you said, is you kept giving Webb a lot of credit for, like, and this film for having the balls to finally bring in the lizard and all this stuff. But let's not pretend, I mean, the only reason the lizard is the villain in this film is because he hadn't been in the other films. I mean, they were kind of like, they were forced to use him in a way. If the the Raimi films had never happened and this had been the first, it would have been a goblin film, I'm sure. They were kind of just going, it's kind of like when they did Batman Begins and you're like, well, why is... Raza Ghul in the origin film, well, because all the other big villains had already been done, you know.
0: Well, I mean, I think, and, and, hey, this is just my opinion, maybe like whatever. I think with the original Spider-Man films, kind of like with the original Iron Man films, with uh, when Favreau was directing the films, he was really afraid to move away from like just Iron Man fighting robots. I think it was the same shit with the Raimi Spider-Man films. It wasn't until part three, honestly, where we really got like a outrageous comic book villain in the Sandman who could turn into sand and then Venom. I just think
1: that's a completely unfair complaint because the Spider Man one is Green Goblin and Spider Man two is Doc Ock. Those are those are the two most iconic Spider Man villains. Why wouldn't they be the first two?
0: Yeah, but but it's not even about who who they were or like who they picked to be the villain. How did they do them? Like they didn't go with the outrageous goblin-looking character and shit. They went with the Power Ranger. And then he, even uh, even Molina, man, they didn't even have the balls to give him, like, a, a real, like, you know, comic booky, uh, like, you know. And granted, the Doc Ock costume is a little, like, worthless in the comic books. But they weren't even trying to give him a comic book look. He just was a dude in a trench coat who had some, you know, robot arms. Like, they were trying to keep that level of, like, keeping it you know, not too outrageous for the uh, the general audience. And that's what I meant by that, about not having the balls to do the lizard. And, like, I feel like this movie, and granted, it came after a lot of other comic book movies, and, like, the outrageous comic book craziness quotient had been upped a bit. But I feel like this movie was just going full balls with it, man. There's a giant lizard running around New York City and shit. I, you know, that's where yeah. I was well, going Well, I mean, we'll
1: never, we'll never see, I guess, what Raimi's version of lizard was like, you know. But I know it would have got there.
0: I mean, I you know I would have loved it if they would have you know, if you would have done it, man. But you know, but it just, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, actually, in a way, though, I'm kind of glad he did, man. Because like I don't know, man. Like the CGI I was so piss poor in those early Spider-Man movies, it would look really bad.
2: Well, I mean, that was a long time ago. I'm sure by now it would look okay. Uh, well, maybe he'll get to learn about responsibility when Gwen Stacy dies next time. I'm telling you, <laughs> she, uh, like I'm making a prediction now, boys. She ain't going to die till part three. But the movie's
0: over. People are like the DVDs over. These assholes are, are still talking. Fear- I have
1: a, <laughs> on the DVD now. I have an I have an option to watch previews for Men in Black Three, Total Recall, Arthur Christmas, or Premium Rush. No, wow. we
2: we can do a commentary on the trailer for uh, Arthur Christmas if you want i'm good actually <laughs> hey, which one of
1: us uh, which one of us is going to defend arthur christmas
2: yeah, really. by, by the way
0: premium Red rush one of the worst movies i've ever seen in a the theater so terrible man
2: is michael shannon at least good in that i feel like he's no easy. dude he's oh man I,
0: no i like michael shannon too and I, I know a lot of people go after him like it's just one of those things where it's like he doesn't have anything to play dude he's just a crooked cop who, uh, you know, he just wants that bag, that uh, that backpack that Joseph Gordon-Levitt has. But uh, I, gu- I guess we'll do what we did last time, because we, we, we rambled through the credits last time. We'll wrap this up a little bit, like, any last words. Uh, this is an ongoing
2: franchise, man, like... They'll be making these as long after we're all dead, so... So if you don't like this one or the Ramy one, you'll get a you'll get a Spider Man movie for you. At there,
0: there will be a reboot in about
2: eight years. <laughs> don't worry.
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, are you guys like? I know you guys had a bad reaction to this one. Could you guys maybe put that aside and try to go in like with a clean slate with a sequel? Or are
2: you guys really so? I mean, I you I know I think Trev's like me in that you know I mean. I mean one thing that the three of us have in common is we all love Spider-Man and I don't think any of us want to hate a Spider-Man movie. So I mean if the second one's good it's good it's just I mean all the stuff I'm hearing right now about all these villains and all these different storylines and I mean it's it's not giving me hope but you know if hey if it turns out to be a good Spider-Man movie I'll be I'll be right there.
1: Yeah I've been I've been proven wrong before some you you know usually not but I mean Uh, To use an example, I certainly went into into World War Z expecting garbage and ended up liking that, and I I was willing to admit it. Um, Yeah, I think what gets lost when we make fun of this movie, uh, and, Goat, I'm sure it's true for you when you attack the Raimi movies, is I don't go into any Spider-Man film wanting to hate it. I go in wanting to love it. I mean... Uh,
0: Dude, any movie... Dude, I'm critical of big-budget studio-whatever movies, dude. If I'm sitting in the theater, or even if I get the DVD for Redbox, like... You know, people are like, oh, you're critical of everything. You don't, But I'm telling you, like if I'm taking the time to watch a movie, I don't want it to be bad. I'll, I'd rather be proved wrong and have a good time. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, yeah. Know, now, I know not, where you're coming from.
1: It's not that often that a sequel comes out to a movie that I didn't like and then I say, like, oh, the sequel turned things around. But, you know, it's always possible. And And because this was just an origin movie that kind of retread, you know, familiar ground. If Spider-Man 2, if Amazing Spider-Man 2 is good, I could even in my head just say, like, oh, that's kind of the first one to me because I can just ignore that origin film. So, yeah, I'm right. open to it being good. I'm, I'm kind of with Bird in that nothing is really giving me a lot of hope. But I'm going to walk in hopefully with as as open of a mind as I can have.
0: Well, I mean, I got to say, I, I really, you know, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Like, I'm not, you know, I understand where this movie lies cinematically, that a lot of people could take it, a lot of people could leave it. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are real passionate about this movie. Like, you know, I think either people hate it or they're borderline on it. I have to say, man, I love this movie. This is kind of... It don't don't hit a grand slam, but I'll still call it a home run for me personally. It it just brought in a lot of what I've always wanted in a Spider-Man movie and shit. So, I mean, I'm with you guys. I'm not... Too excited about the sequel, man. Like the, all the villains and shit. But at the same time, with this weird franchise, I
2: realized they could shoot a lot of shit and cut it out. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. know what I mean. That's, and also, I mean, we still got Avi Arad back there, and we also got Kurtzman yeah. uh, and Orsi writing the script. God, heaven help us.
0: Yeah, that's got me worried. <laughs> like, like I mean, he was you know a job like this. You're kind of just writing what the studio wants you to write. But it, but it, but I would you know just James Vanderbilt. Guy, I'm not too familiar with him, but I, I would prefer he was you know, writing a sequel. And I feel like the Kurtzman-Orsi thing, just like Avia Rod lives in the toy aisle at Toys R Us, I think them, Kurtzman-Orsi, they just live on some nerd message board. And, like, to me, they're basically the world's highest-paid fan fiction writers. Yeah,
2: like, I I feel like I've seen enough from those guys to pinpoint, like, their weaknesses. Like, every movie they've written has, like, the same problems. Like...
0: Well, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, we could go into it, but they're sloppy as hell, like, like, and, and you know, they, they bring up a lot of plot points that they'd never pay off and shit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but I'll be honest with you guys, I mean, I like this movie, I thought Mark Webb did a great job, I was worried about the sequel, but I gotta say, man, like, getting to know Mark Webb a little bit on these special features, like, I don't know, man, like, like I have hope, he, like, to me, he doesn't seem like a studio pup puppet with a hand up his ass i feel like he's trying to you know he has a good knowledge of filmmaking and wants to tell a good story
1: well it's interesting that the behind the scenes stories on this is that sony was like pretty unhappy with this film originally and like they were ready to dump him for the sequel and then suddenly they made a lot of money and it was just easier to be like well let's just let him do whatever now so yeah Um, he he didn't
2: sign on for more than one movie at first so right
0: so, I mean, j- just the fact that he's doing it again, um, but I realize it could go sideways with the Kurtzman, Orsi, and Avio, or, because it seems like with sequels, like the shitty producers always get more power and make it more shitty. So,
1: I'm. That's true. See- I mean, however you feel about the Raimi films, number three certainly feels a lot different than one and two, and that's because they really started stepping on Raimi a little bit more, and that, that could obviously happen again.
0: Yeah, because kind of what happens is. With the initial movies, they're like, they're like, just have their fingers crossed that it works. And then they're like, what? We can make X amount of money? Like, like if we can make 800 million, then we can probably make a billion and a half if we really dumb it down. You know what I mean? So, so that's, I just hope that doesn't happen with a sequel, but I'm, I'm bored with it, man. I got like, I got, I'm wearing a pair of Spider-Man underwear this morning. I took a shower with my amazing Spider-Man official movie merchandise, dark cherry body wash. Uh I you eat my- the cereal? No, nah, dude. Actually, I do have half a box of the cereal left, but because it was only made for a limited time, that ex- that cereal expired in March. So I'm afraid to eat it now, man. <laughs> But i still got the boxes and shit. And on my my iPhone here, I do have the Amazing Spider-Man official iPhone cover. So I'm with this shit. I'm trying to, you know, endorse it. And I used to buy the fruit snacks when they used to make them. So I'm all about the cheesy merchandise and trying to financially support this. But... Yeah, dude, cuz I, I had to walk away from Spider-Man after the rainy days, man. So I'm I'm just hoping I don't have to do that again. And I can Well, you
1: didn't walk away very long. I mean, there's only like 2 years in between. It's That's true. Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I quit being a Spider-Man fan to be honest with you. Like it just even the comic books it soured it on me and shit. But uh we're we're going we're going on a little too long here probably. the movie's over with. Uh, maybe, I don't know, cuz I don't really have too much feedback on this podcast. If people want us to talk after the podcast will do it but I mean after the movie will do it but uh, I feel like we could go on and on for this and, oh, yeah. and as of right now we don't have the next movie lined up so we can't even tease them with that but we have a few oh. things yeah. we're throwing around also Trev uh, Best Buy had a sale I was able to get texas chainsaw 3d the 3d version for 15 bucks so i do have a copy of that coming that is i think the one constant threat we've been throwing out with this that we will do that film at some point oh yeah that's what started this all was us saying we should do that so we'll, we'll get there but uh, we'll try to break away from doing these dual pair up movie but i kind of like it i gotta admit like at first i was like well we're gonna do one spider-man we're gonna do it bird was skeptical he's like why are we doing another spider-man movie but I kind of I, let's do these double features like this every now and then. Um, yeah, is there any chainsaw movies that you guys uh, like or hate or, or let's try to
1: pair or- up chainsaw when we do that. I'm willing to defend the remake. That's where I. That's where I come down. So.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can. Bash I,
1: it. I. I'll probably be more on goat side on that one if I. If I join. That's fine. That. Maybe I'll see if I can get uh, Adam Green to call Skype in and be on my side. <laughs> that
0: would be awesome, but I don't think that's happening because as I, I love Adam Green as supportive as he is, he wants everybody to know don't contact me, don't bother me with your bullshit because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he don't have time to sleep supposedly. So where the fuck? But I, I love Adam Green. I just bought all the Hatchet films just to support him. 'Cause I was watching Holliston. I don't have the fear net or whatever. And uh, I didn't really feel like spending the money on the on the Blu rays. So I watched Holliston on Hulu Puss. Uh, I felt like I was kinda cheating him money wise, so I just went out and bought all three Hatchet movies to try to support him, so Yeah. So yeah, so everybody's probably like, this has nothing to do with Spider Man anymore. I'm <laughs> deleting the podcast. I'm turning it off. So I guess we should say
2: goodbye, and we'll work it out behind the scenes. On yeah, it's, and, uh, and, it was you know. it was fun, and here we are bringing peace to to the movie community. You know, you look at these message board, people hate each other just because they disagree on a movie.
0: Yeah, you know? Bird, I wanted to but, dude, I loved it on the last. If it bleeds, we can kill it. You brought that up about you. You, you was excited about movie wars just because like we could argue about a movie and not like be calling each other names and shit. And I gotta say, man, I do hate. This. And, and you know like when you're younger and you know you're cocky on the internet I get that too but like people need to calm the fuck down man like the, the, the anonymous nature of the internet has let people be complete assholes and especially with movies it's like oh you didn't like that fuck you you're stupid like no nah, like that's not what movie wars is about like I understand it probably is more entertaining when we argue and shit but well, I mean we're definitely not going to be calling each other cocksuckers and shit just because somebody <laughs> didn't like some goofy Marvel movie and stuff so <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> So that was a great little mini rant, dude. I love that when you guys did that on your pod. So yeah, so we'll keep it going and uh, and, and and like yeah, man. Like like I'm, I'm glad you're aboard, bird, man. We, we we did the first ep without you, and uh, I think this one, as much as I enjoyed the first ep, I think this one's even better. And uh, like I said, man, it's just a journey. We're getting to know each other, getting getting the Movie Wars podcast format down and shit. So so yeah, man. It's, yes. all, it's all brand new at this point. Six months from now, we'll be all jaded. We'll be like, let's delete this thing. Let's get rid of it. But for now, we're flying
1: high. Six six months from now, we will be calling each other cocksuckers. <laughs> yeah,
0: really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess that's it. Uh, all right, man. Goodbye, everybody. It's two and a half hours, roughly, about. I'm sure people want to get the hell out of here. So thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Uh, Oh, uh, I want to set up a Facebook soon, but for right now, if you're dying to get us some comments or something, you can email us at moviewarspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com, moviewarspodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully, we'll get some Facebook shit going so you guys can interact and argue amongst yourselves about the movies, too. So Yeah.
2: Call yourselves... Yourselves, each other. I mean, call your call each other, cocksucker. Exactly.
0: I'm really glad now. I rated this podcast explicit. I tried not to cuss on the first episode, but I still said fuck about five times. I'm, I'm glad Bird is joining me in the cussing because Trevor, he, he's pretty good, man. He don't
1: he don't bust out too much, but yeah. All right, man. Have a, everyone have a good uh, however long it is until you hear from us again.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Adios, amigos. Uh, later. See ya. Peace. See ya.